What's up, everybody? Hi, everyone. <laughs> You're like a bull at a china shop over there bumping into stuff. Welcome Dude, to Movie Boners. Um, all right. Well, as we're about to get into this episode, what <laughs> drug of choice are you drinking today? Oof. Uh, I felt kind of wrong picking a beer for today's <laughs> <Yeah>. episode. <laughs> I almost showed up with water, to be honest. But then I leaned into it. So, oh, I have that too. But uh, yeah, this feels a little <laughs> wrong. But we'll we'll stay on brand. Um, yeah. In fact, I even like went kind of theme. So it's <laughs> fucked up a little bit. Yeah. And uh, good. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, I am drinking Stash IPA. Uh from okay. independence yep. brewing down here in austin they have a little the reason i feel like i have to kind of apologize uh because it says it's an enlightening hot trip and there's really nothing <laughs> enlightening at least in a positive light um ab yeah about this episode um <laughs> Well, I mean, kind I, you, of. you can, you can, you it's can. It's not like a positive. It's not like a positive trip. Like some people do drugs and actually get enlightened. No, that doesn't happen no. in this movie. But no. yeah, I see where you're going. Yeah. Uh, also, there's a stash. And, and, and there's stash. Yeah. It's um, a whole thing. What are you drinking? Okay. <laughs> um, I also went weirdly, perfectly on theme. Um, from a new brewery I haven't heard of before called AC Golden Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado. I, I have the Sneaky 8. Uh, it's a double IPA. It's called a Sneaky 8 because, well, it says right here, drink with one eye open. And uh, it's a very sneaky 8% that you don't see coming, um, you know, much like most users of hard narcotics. You think that it's good and then all of a sudden it bites you in the ass yeah. and that's kind of what this beer is i yeah. think uh you think things are going well and you're invincible and then it all falls mm -hmm. apart i could totally hand it <coughs> handle it yeah yeah it's it's a very good very uh it's one of the best double ips that's... i've ever had actually yeah. they have to print on a can that there's zero percent juice because it tastes very juicy oh, weird but it's all it's all hot well this it's uh just a magical Hops explosion. Yeah, this this stash IPA from Independence is, yeah, it's really tasty. This might be one of the smoothest IPAs I've ever I've ever had. Mm -hmm. Um, man, it feels weird drinking a beer during this. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> but we're gonna make it through. But we're gonna make it through. Yeah. Uh, before we get to the heavy. No, I would say let's start no, with no. the most depressing part of the episode, which is that oh, okay, okay. in this year's movie draft, <laughs> yeah, in this year's movie draft, um, not much has changed. You are still winning. No, um, no. I say still, it's only been two weeks since you started winning, but you're still winning. My box office lead did grow a little bit, so I have a chance to come back. But your IMDb rating um, lead also did increase a little bit. It's mostly because yeah. freaking Exorcist Believer dropped like three more tenths of a point um, <laughs> in the rating. 
And since Saw X came out on digital, it also dropped a couple tenths of a point. So you were, I don't know, doing all right, I guess. (laughs) We're in like an awkward lull for the next couple of weeks until Hunger Games and uh, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes and the Marvels all come out. Yeah, I have zero faith in the Marvels. So why did I draft it? It's going to be the worst. (laughs) Yeah. in the 14th round, too. It was like less than halfway through. I know. <laughs> Shit. I mean, it's a Marvel movie. It'll it, de- be decent. It, it's going to make a little bit of money, but I feel like it's going to be Ant-Man 3 all over again, where it's like people saw yeah. it and were like, nah, never mind. So. <laughs> yeah, not a lot. That's yeah, that's kind of what I expect. Yeah. A 6.1 and a 400 million, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. At least it won't be uh, flash numbers where it's not even 300. Although, how fucking funny would it be if it does worse than the flash? That would be hilarious. That would be amazing. But I don't think that's going to happen. So, yeah, I don't either. So, yeah, I'm very curious how the Hunger Games is accepted. um, Yeah. If people still care about that or if not. I literally just learned. I had no idea anything about it. I just learned that girl that's in the Snow White reboot that's been um, talking shit about Snow White. Apparently, she's in it. I was like, the main "Hey, I, I just learned that too." Actually, I didn't realize it was the same actress <laughs> until until I saw the the first promo photo that Disney released for Snow White, which made mm-hmm. me laugh because. <laughs> It's supposed to be live action and it's like all CGI. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. wait. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's weird. We'll have a lot of really bad green screen. Way to stay on point, mm-hmm. Disney. Cool. Cool. It It's really funny <laughs> watching all the people get upset about the normal people being CGI'd into dwarves instead of actually hiring people with dwarfism who are actors and would like jobs <laughs> but they uh that's out of vogue i guess for some reason yeah i uh i didn't pay like hardly any attention to when people were freaking out over uh what's the average size people dudes or whatever to play the dwarves uh yeah but i i didn't realize it was going to be cgi but now that it's like oh they just completely cgi'd these guys i get it like Mm -hmm. that's really fucking Mm -hmm. stupid disney is just like are you taking on purpose is that what's happening here are you just like we hate ourselves doing the same thing (laughs) (laughs) they're doing the same thing with wonka too where all of the uh, Oompa Loompas or Hugh Oompa Grant are like Hugh Grant. Yeah, I'm like, but they're better choices, I think. Yeah, than that. But, but also, I'm not in charge of Disney. Yeah, though. we don't Who we cares? don't make those decisions. Uh, let's just hope A24 takes over Hollywood essentially, and <laughs> we move on. Yeah, and doesn't uh, <laughs> they say, save it and don't join? Yeah, join yeah, it, don't as possible. Don't join their their. Yeah. So what new shit have you watched? (laughs) Um, I watched two new shits. I watched both of them actually star Zach Guilford from Friday Night Lights, which is fun. 
and funny. Okay. Um, I watched There's Something Wrong with the Children okay. on Hulu. It's a movie about uh, two couples. One of them has kids and the other one don't. And they all go on like vacation together, camping in the woods. And they come across this like cave with this pit. And uh, then the couple that's not the parents watches the kids overnight. And the kids sneak out and come back. And they're not the same. They seem different. Um, it was not very good. Oh. Um, it was very average to below average as far as horror movies go. Okay. But uh, it, so it was it was mundane i would say <laughs> okay <laughs> nothing really special to write home about <laughs> unless you're really freaked out by children that are trying to kill you i mean and then they <laughs> i mean you should be you i guess be. but also <laughs> they're small and you should be able to overpower them <laughs> it, just my opinion um and then the other new thing i watched with zach guilford in it was the house of the fall of asher no the fall, the fall of, of the house of, of asher yeah. All those words just fucking great, wasn't it? Please tell me you liked it. <laughs> it was it was very, very good. I liked it a lot. Um I I I liked it a lot. I didn't have really any big problems with it. I wouldn't say I liked it as much as Haunting of Hill House, but Haunting of Hill's House is perfect. Yeah. Um I did like it a lot. I liked it more than some of his other stuff, even so I'd say it's very, very good. Uh everybody in it is great. The story structure is great. He does a the great a great thing with his scary people or characters or images just popping up and scaring the shit out of you. And then over time, those things, deities or beings or whatever end up having more meaning yeah. and you figure out, Oh, that was actually this guy and it's haunting them in this way. I was like, Oh, that's a really, really interesting yeah. thing. And it's also definitely, I think his thickest social commentary <laughs> Also appropriate for tonight's episode. I think they overlap in themes a lot yeah, yeah. Um, as far as pharmaceuticals, pharmaceuticals and things like that. Um, but it wasn't like preachy either. It was also, I think, very balanced and good overall. So I really, really liked yeah. it. If you like, and I'm not like even the biggest Poe fan. Like I like his stuff, but I don't know a lot of his stuff other than like a telltale heart. So if think if I was... I would get even more out of it. All the little nods and hints and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure I could just kind of tell from all of the like episode titles and the, the actual dialogue and poetry and mm -hmm. stuff. The writing is heavily influenced by it, obviously, but also not knowing that stuff didn't take anything away from the experience. It was very, very enjoyable. So I would say high recommend on follow the house. Usher for sure. So happy you liked it. I'm so happy. I loved it. I loved it. It's so yeah. good. Yeah, he knows what he's doing for sure. That Mike Flanagan. It's true. What about you? Anything well, you? like you watching a couple new shits, I watched a couple new shits. <laughs> um, I watched a movie on Netflix. Uh, it's called Old Dads. It's with Bill Burr. It's actually written and directed by yeah. Bill Burr. Uh, very mm. cute movie. Very fun. Uh, it's very much in his wheelhouse where he just says what everyone's thinking. And uh, <laughs> it didn't, it kind of goes very formulaic for these kinds of movies, but mm -hmm. it doesn't go overboard with the formula, which I really appreciated because I was a little worried that like, Oh, don't like it's Bill Burr. There's no way yeah. 
the movie's about Bill Burr being forced to live in a PC world. Like you're not going to force right. Bill Burr to be completely PC guys. It's not happening, but yeah, especially like as a parent in LA, yeah. which is the worst possible place. Uh, it was funny. It has some very funny moments in it and it has some very cringy. Like I found myself really hating about 90% of the characters his character interacts with. Uh, because they were mm. just the worst. So, but it was enjoyable. <laughs> it was funny. It was a nice, just. I've, I've seen some clips from it and it definitely looks very funny. Yeah. Uh, almost to the point that I'm surprised Netflix of all people put it on, but it looks very. Yeah. Funny. I was like, oh, this movie's like never going to see the light of day essentially because it's <laughs> because mm -hmm. of the dialogue, but I enjoyed it. It was fun. Um, and then I have to talk about this because this was awesome. This was such a special moment for me. Okay. Uh, my daughter about a month ago <laughs> asked me now, my kid does not like spooky thing or movies, especially she's not down for the spookiness. Yeah. Doesn't care for it. Doesn't mm. really want to watch any of it yet. Um, but she came up to me about a month ago. She's rebelling against her father. <laughs> right. Which it happens. Uh, she comes up to me about a yeah. month ago and asked me if I would take her to her first spooky movie in the theater. And it was like, hell yeah, I'm going to. So my daughter wanted to go see <laughs> Five Nights at Freddy's because... She she knows the game. She knows the the books. Her friends have like she's been around it. Mm -hmm. It's been a pretty big popular thing. Uh, so yeah, went and saw Five Nights at Freddy's. It was entertaining. It's silly. It's super campy. Yeah. It's funny. It's fun. Um, I noticed people were doing a lot of bitching about it, and I was like, anyone who went into Five Nights at Freddy's expecting mm -hmm. stellar horror or like <laughs> elevated right. horror or anything on that calendar. Mm -hmm. What the fuck are you doing? It's a movie about haunted animatronics. <laughs> like it's based on a mobile yeah. phone game. Get over yourself. Right. The game's like the simplest thing it, ever. It's yeah. It Get over have yourself. A ton of story involved for what they were doing and the story they were telling. It was very enjoyable, very entertaining. And my kid came out of that movie ecstatic. She's been talking nonstop about it. She loved it. Like it was a special moment. Very heartwarming. Got to take my kid to her first mm -hmm. spooky movie. So I feel like I had the, the sentimental eyeglasses on watching it of just like this movie's perfect, but I know it's <laughs> not. Uh, yeah. But very fun. Yeah, special moment for sure. Yeah. Very, very fun. How would you compare it to uh, Willy's Wonderland? Uh, well, Willy's Wonderland was already kind of like, yeah, we we kind of based it on the Five Nights game because at that point, the movie Five Nights at Freddy's was in like super limbo. Studios knew mm -hmm. they wanted to make it, but no one was like really biting it. Um, Willy's is like the more grown up version. Yeah, it does get more violent. It's a little more sure. violent. It's definitely bloodier. It has a sex scene in it, which is hilarious. Because haunted animatronics. <laughs> I forgot yeah. about that. Uh, whereas Five Nights at Freddy's is just fun. It was just enjoyable. Yeah. Um, 
It doesn't have Nick Cage. And it doesn't have Nick Cage. But strike against it. But but it was still very entertaining to me. So I enjoyed it. Good. I very much enjoyed it. Yeah. And I found myself awesome. kind of bummed because I saw its numbers and I was like, well, shit. I kind of wish uh, <laughs> I kind of wish I would have paid a little more attention and maybe drafted it because it would have boosted my box office numbers in our draft. But I did not. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. Yeah, all of the major movies right now we completely ignored or didn't know about. <laughs> right. Oh, Go well, when some lose some. <laughs> but yeah, so that was all the all right. the new things that I watched. <laughs> Very cool. All right, so I guess before we get into the episode, we should say go subscribe on YouTube because it helps us out a lot. Yeah. Uh, and we want to do cool stuff like live streams mm-hmm. and things like that and so it would be more worth it if uh, we had subscribers there obviously and then if you are all caught up on episodes and you want something else to watch uh, or listen to we do have those bonus episodes with the beat critics and film versus film podcast um, we did two guest episodes in october and those are still out there and always will be uh, fun times you can find them all on moviebonders.com i put them there actually um, but they're also on spotify and right. uh, all the other places so check that out um, and yeah we love you and we appreciate you and all of that good Subscribe, stuff like comment do all that stuff uh interact with us uh i know we do a lot of heavy talk about how much we love movies and kind of what we get from them <laughs> we would love to hear from you on how the movies do the same or whatever for you. So interact. Uh, it's funny to get Jake triggered because he will instantly go into <laughs> internet argument with you. If you challenge him, it's hilarious. Um, I've been pretty good. No, lately. you have. You um, have. Although, although I, I unrelated had a little, I guess you could say dust up. Um, there was some post on Instagram that I just made a very benign and harmless comment on. And then everybody else got into fights and were <laughs> just commenting true. back and forth. And a couple of times I was like, Hey, get people, all of you commenting. None of you are cool. Everybody's <laughs> wrong. Go outside and touch grass <laughs> because you're all mad at each other and defending these movies that nobody gets any benefit out of. And, and that um, just triggers more stuff. It was kind of funny having like my phone just blowing up. <laughs> like yeah. Jake's not even interacting. Like he's not even a part of this. <laughs> I but didn't even start it. They just chose my comment to get yeah. upset about the movie. On. Um, it, it but I will say Instagram has been really fun lately. A lot of great yeah. people on there and uh, a lot of great conversations about John Carpenter last episode and uh, just all kinds of random stuff we post there. So yeah, if you're on Instagram, that's kind of the place to be. That's where we are most often. Yeah. So check it out. Interact. It's fun. Uh, yeah. Well. All right. You know, it's not fun. Drug addiction. Yeah. So I feel like we should probably <laughs> preface this episode. First off, this will probably be the least funny or feel good. <laughs> or it'll be the most inappropriately funny. Or inappropriate. Probably. I don't know how this will go. Um obviously I'm gonna have a ton to say because I love this movie so much for my daughter challenged me on why I love this movie so much because I was trying to describe it to her and she was like Yeah this sounds just terrible and I was like <laughs> like it is but it's such a well made terrible story. Yeah. Um 
but I feel That's like the thing about growing up, like... sometimes you latch on to things that are terrible, but you love them. Yeah. For their I really darkness, do love this of. movie. Uh, the movie is incredible. In and my they're opinion, honesty, I, I think it's so good, but its message is very relevant and important in my opinion. It just, it doesn't shy away from a terrible, terrible truth. Yeah. And that terrible truth can be a little off putting. So yeah, drug addiction's bad in like all forms. <laughs> Addiction in general yeah. is very dangerous, slippery scope, but thankfully we have a yeah, movie that will let you know just how bad it can kind of get. Uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, I've really enjoyed kind of all the different levels that it works on. And I think I was nervous going into it. So like I said, when we set it up last episode, it's one of your favorite mm -hmm. movies. You've seen it a bunch. You're a huge advocate for people seeing this movie. You've been an advocate for me seeing this movie and I've just been avoiding it because a, I've, I'm not the biggest like emotional movie fan right. because it, it requires emotions from me and I'd rather not <laughs> give them that. But at the same time, I also, I do really love Darren Aronofsky's movies, but I'm fully aware of how brutal they can yeah. be um, and how honest and, and on and unapologetically um, just showing you everything uh, even kind of against your will. And so I was, I was nervous going into it. I will say it was a little bit more tame than I expected. I expected the worst. Um, I would say it wasn't as um, intense as even like Mother. Um, I think Mother is probably the most intense of his movies, but it was it was intense for sure. And there's a lot of really great reasons for yeah. that. But overall, I I'm very glad I saw it. I definitely liked it as well, and I would recommend it um, to everybody. It's one of those movies that I think you said it's not for entertainment. No. <laughs> it's it's kind of just an important piece of art that has meaning and a message that tries to get something across. And it definitely does mm -hmm. that very well, I think. Yeah. Um, it's funny because like the first time I ever saw it, I had heard of kind of the reputation that the movie had uh, going into it. And it wasn't even that old. By the time I saw it, it was only a few years old because it came out in 2000, 2001, uh, right in that 2000, yeah, yeah. area. Um, I saw it when I was like 15, so I saw it just a year or two after it came out, honestly. Uh, but it had already mm. earned a huge reputation. Now, the people that told me about it, they kind of tried to hype it up. It ended up kind of getting in that mix with like Fight Club, those kinds of movies where like they have notoriety. They're, mm -hmm. There's something about them that's like so rebellious to the mainstream and certain mm -hmm. groups, especially teenage groups, I think latch on to that of like, ooh, it goes against the grain. So we're going to like mm -hmm. it. We'll latch on to one thing. And the only thing that I was told that people or I kind of like got a sense of people latching on to is there is a scene where it is a close-up shot of a character shooting up into an infected arm. 
and everyone yeah. was like, ooh, you, it's like close up. You see it. It's so gross. And that was like the only scene anyone ever talked about. So when I watched it the first time. <laughs> That's not even the worst part right. of the whole movie. I mean, it's gross for sure, but it is gross. But I found myself like that is. Yeah, it's a disturbing scene. It's very short and it's not like super, super mm-hmm. close up. Um, yeah, there's a little bit of sound effect going into it, but uh, <laughs> I found myself latching on to just the overall like to me. I mean, I know you just said like it wasn't as intense as mother, but I think it's on such a different plane of intensity. Mother's mm-hmm. like legit kind of a Darren Aronofsky version of horror, which ends up being just yeah, it's more like a fantasy story yeah and it's like that you're not deeply invested in with like these are real people in real life kind of stuff Yeah, mother is a two-hour anxiety like hell fest whereas requiem for a dream is just like it's intense because it's so in your face and quickly Mm -hmm. and you fall into this train you feel like you're falling with these characters um and i found that first time i watched it i remember just really knowing and understanding very quickly throughout this movie. Like this is important. Like this movie, I am Mm -hmm. fully invested in this film. These characters, I want to root for them. I'm trying to root for them. Mm -hmm. And by the time it concludes, you're like, Jesus fucking Christ. What is (laughs) like? (laughs) Yeah. It's yeah, they're kind of helpless in in a way to their own devices. And and I watched it at a at an interesting juncture in my life, Uh, not necessarily with hard drugs, obviously. Well, I say obviously, but you guys don't know me personally. Um, (laughs) Not with hard drugs, but I was like I was smoking a ton of weed and I was doing a lot of drinking at the time that I saw this movie. Like I was not living a necessarily clean life so to watch this movie as you're like 15 and that teenager i mean harry the main character he's like 20 years old 21 years old in the film that's pretty close that's pretty close to like yeah the age that i watched it and i remember just thinking like man this is feeling real like this feel (laughs) the requiem Mm -hmm. for a dream is one of the most intense movies for me because it felt so real and prevalent and like kind of dooming it's kind of that like yeah uh you could end up as any one of these <laughs> like, <laughs> oh shit uh yeah yeah it's not a happy movie <laughs> like yeah it's, I, I think everything that you said is all true um and we're not the first people to say it i saw that premiere magazine put it on the 25 most yeah. dangerous movies ever made. And when I saw that, I was like, I thought that was like a bad thing. I thought they were like saying you shouldn't watch it. Um, but their list is really, the point is that it's not entertainment. They're not rides or diversions. They're galvanizing experiences that place squarely in your face, all the stuff Hollywood assumes that you go to the movies to get away from. Mm-hmm. And so these movies will challenge your, <laughs> ideas and about life and love and stuff um and so i do think that this movie does that i think that it's like what you said not entertainment um but it's a piece of art that kind of holds up in your face 
a mirror. It's not just, oh, there's some junkies that do this. It's like, no, there's a human condition that we're all pretty susceptible to. It's not just our drugs. It can be can be weed it can be coffee it can be like you're all kind of addicted to something the mom the mom character sarah i was the most kind of invested in where initially she's more addicted to food and just comfort and and then it tries to get away from that and can't i think the more that you abuse anything the harder it is to change your lifestyle Mm -hmm. even if it's something as normal as food um and so that was really interesting. I think that that it can be anything. It can be comfort. It can be images. It can be whatever sort of things you fill your time and life with. You can become addicted to that. Just as the it's just the way humans are wired. Yeah. And you would and so it's important to know that. And you would think that the people that understand how human beings work the most would be doctors, but they seem to not really be doing a good job of. <laughs> keeping track of that and not prescribing drugs and <laughs> and if you don't react well to a drug they don't pull you off of it they just give you another drug to balance it out and it just gets out of control so i think there's a lot a lot going on there. yeah there is um sarah is man i think she's just one of ellen burson's portrayal of sarah to me is like tragically underrated if you want to go down like the the path of just great performances i'm like ellen burston as sarah goldfarb is why requiem is so intense jared leto gets all the kind of spotlight because it's jared leto but i'm like Mm -hmm. the movie i mean every character in this movie well the the big four they're all the main character the movie is yeah. following all of them very, very tightly. You know their stories. Uh, but mm-hmm. I argue Sarah Goldfarb is like the heart of the movie. Um, she's the one that really drives home the message of the human condition, like what you were saying. Um, yeah, it can happen to anybody. It can happen to anybody. And, any it, and it can and typically happens before you ever even realize yeah. or if you ever actually realize and it can drive you mad it can totally just bottom your life out where Mm -hmm. it's all gone uh i think sarah's journey in this movie is probably the most heartbreaking out of the four journeys um Mm -hmm. i i didn't figure we would jump into her story right out the gate but i feel like well we're here (laughs) so we might as well uh yeah man i feel so bad for sarah She's just like, you, you side with her. You love her right out the gate because she's just this like, oh yeah, seemingly she's, she's a sweet, old, sweet lady. old lady. She's lonely. But the opening of the movie is her and Harry having an argument because he's going to pawn her TV off so he can get money for heroin. Um, mm-hmm. And she's scared of Harry. To me, like right out the gate, it's like, she loves her son, but she's afraid of him to the point where she's literally locking herself in her room and watching him mm-hmm. have a tantrum through the keyhole. That's that opening scene. <laughs> I was in love with the movie immediately, not just for the Im- commitment of the actors and you immediately understand all of the dynamic between them and their performances. That's all great. But specifically 
Aronofsky, Aronofsky's style and and choices directorially, but particularly with the split mm-hmm. screen shot that he does there, I was like, I know I must have seen a split screen shot like this before, but I can't think of where. And I'm so shocked that more people don't do it because it was so effective to be able to kind of track two sides of the door, what's happening right. inside, what's happening outside at the same time in real time, both of them cutting randomly um, to show you different things. And it just felt very kinetic. The whole movie is kind of like that, uh, very kinetic. And, and it gets even more so as time right. goes on. Um, I've read a thing that a normal 100-minute movie has like 700, right. 800 cuts in it. <laughs> and Requiem has over double that. It has over 2,000 cuts in it. And you feel it, especially towards yeah. the end. You're like, this is just nonstop. Well, and it's crazy, but in a good way. Yeah. Aronofsky filmed it kind of in the style of like a hip hop montage music video, almost <laughs> where it's very hard, very quick cuts, where it's just image after image, scene after scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did it for a reason. And the flow of the movie is super interesting to me because it's like a high the movie is essentially a high it starts off kind of like with fear then you're like oh this is really Mm -hmm. cool this is fine i feel great i feel great uh something's not right but i I think i can do this we're good and then it's the come down or the fallout and it's just chaos and chaos and, and nothing good comes from it um Mm-hmm. yeah the opening with the the split screen i love that was uh that was one of the early things about the movie that struck me too because it's so different a lot of mm-hmm. movies kind of start off slow they kind of start off like okay so we're gonna just kind of lay the groundwork a little bit here requiem and darren mm-hmm. aronofsky's vision is like oh no we're going full on like <laughs> He needs his fix. She's kind of afraid of his mm-hmm. at, like his behavior right now. Uh, she chains the TV and then she's trying to tell him it's not for <laughs> you. It's for the robbers. And you're like, he's literally the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's also the only one trying to take her yeah. TV right now. Um, and just the way that he kind of manipulates yeah. her. Like he breaks her mm-hmm. down. Really? It's not even a full manipulation. It's just, he's breaking her down. Uh, you kind of, you kind of can't help but kind of hate Harry at the beginning there. <laughs> yeah, I, I think certainly at the beginning, through most of the movie, I think there's one point where he kind of turns, and you understand he's at least self-aware mm-hmm. of his, what he's doing, um, and it's with his mom. It's the scene where she tells him that she's taking those diet pills. Yeah. And, uh, and he's like, no, mom, no, I like, I, I know, I know that they're drugs and I know what they're doing to you. And it's, you can tell that he knows he's being super hypocritical, but also he kind of cares about her more than he cares about yeah. himself in that moment. Yeah. Um, oh and man, so I, you kind of get it. That scene. I feel like it's too early in our discussion for that scene, but Again, we can come back to it. Yeah, I say we come back to it because that scene deserves like attention. Um, there's a lot okay. to that scene that I was like constantly just always 
been blown away by it, but after reading some fun stuff about the making of it, watching some making of stuff, um, and then just watching it at current, like we're in our mid thirties, watching that scene now kind of has a, a new profound effect, or at least it, it does to me. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think, I think focusing on Harry and Tyrone and Marion first, I think that's, that's kind of where I feel we should focus yeah. first. Um, okay. Just because yeah, it's- Sarah's so intense and she's the heart. So I feel like I don't <laughs> want to get to the heart of it quite yet. Uh, if you're okay. Fair with enough. That, Jake, you're yeah, there's okay. a lot. There's a lot of other layers to cut through first. For sure. Are. Um, I did really enjoy how the movie was kind of, it was broken up into seasons. Yeah. And this is kind of jumping around a little, but you start off in summer and it is very much feels like summer. It's like more happy, more sunny, more, you know, not as cold, not as uncomfortable. It's summer. It's nice. And, but in my mind, when I see movies do that, I was like, oh, okay, we're going to go through all the seasons that we're going to have summer and fall and winter and spring. And then we get into fall and <laughs> everything is falling <laughs> apart and i'm like these people aren't going to survive there until is, winter <laughs> like i don't know i kind of appreciate that i know you and i in the past are kind of like given a little shit about movies that'll do this where they're like they don't try to be subtle or it's just so like the metaphor isn't a metaphor mm-hmm. anymore this is just you're blatantly just like and here it is but mm-hmm. the way that requiem for a dream does that transition from summer to fall and it's right in line with mm-hmm. like, oh, this is where it all like <laughs> literally falls apart. Yeah. Shit hitting it, the fan for Tyrone. Yeah, there is no other way. I cannot think mm-hmm. of any other way for this movie to just because it's so abrupt. I mean, with the sound effect of the bars falling and like slamming shut um, mm-hmm. and the music, just like that dooming <laughs> music that kicks in. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> This is yeah. Here we go. <laughs> like, I mean, summer got a little rough towards the end there, but this is a little <laughs> all right. Yeah. I think, yeah. And I didn't, I didn't realize it on the first watch. Obviously, I watched it for the very first time ever, and and we were most of the way through fall, and I was like, I don't know if I can get through two more seasons, <laughs> and I, I didn't realize until the second watch I had like seven minutes right. left of the movie. <laughs> yeah, because there's only like, two okay. seasons in the movie. <laughs> yeah, which I really liked. I think that because of that device to make me think of, oh, well, if you have one season, we're going to go through to the next year and do all the seasons and all the stuff. It made me think of these characters outside of the movie, like where do they go after this? What is their winter like? What is their spring like? What is the next year like? Like These are people in the real world that are going to continue to exist. And I think it just drove home the, the relationship that I had with these characters more to know like they're going to exist beyond this, uh, even though we only see them for two seasons. Right. Um, yeah. I was very curious. I wanted to text you so bad but I was like having restraint because I don't know when he's getting this watched. I knew it was the first time you yeah. were watching it. Um, I was really curious, Jake, primarily because I know your past does not really have like any kind of experience no. with the substance abuse, drug addiction and stuff. Um, you, I'm not a party boy. Yeah. 
you just you weren't ever really around it. I mean, the I think, and I mm-hmm. could be wrong. I think the worst that you may have been around was like when I used to party and you like hung out with us a couple <laughs> times. Um, yeah, I was like, this is a lot of alcohol <laughs> that you're consuming, and this person threw up on my shoes. But that's about yeah. it. Yeah, nothing too terrible. And it was always kind of weird to me because I'm so removed from from kind of drug culture mm-hmm. that when people are just talking casually about oh well you got this cocaine and we did this and we did that i was like how do you even do that like i don't <laughs> wouldn't even know where to start i don't understand i don't know any of these people like, it seems so foreign to me but i know that it's kind of the thing that once you're in it you're really yeah. in it especially for these characters so i, I certainly wasn't confused about what's no going on i, I didn't think you'd like be confused that. i was i think my curiosity was more um of just kind of how much were you figuring or did you think some of it was like overly exaggerated at all or do you, did it do a decent job of no. giving you a fair idea of what kind of like the real bad side of this stuff can be like yeah, it seemed exactly like how I imagined it would be or how I, I mean, I have heard some stories. I've seen other documentaries. I've seen like book learning side <laughs> of the stuff. Um, but I, I, I think that, it, yeah, it's exactly how I imagined it would be. And particularly just how I understand, I think, from a human side, how these characters are attracted to mm-hmm. that. Like, even though I've never done those kinds of things, I've done other things and felt like, oh, I can't can't give this up or I need to do this in order to feel better or whatever. I think we've all done that. And so to go into something with the best of intentions, whether it's diet pills or just pain relievers or whatever, um, and then kind of just having it become a habit and, and then being like feeling like you can control it. It's no big deal. It doesn't hurt anybody else. All of those things are super real and super believable i think it presents it very very well cool yeah i was uh i was curious because like i've i've seen kind of up close uh, a couple times of people on that downward spiral of you're seeing them really bottoming out yeah and when i watch requiem it for me there is a, a heightened sense of intensity or just realism because like I've seen people kind of in this, maybe not to that extreme, mm-hmm. or maybe it was, and I, I just don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, to me, it's like, yeah, this is very, very on, uh, which is kind of mm-hmm. even more heartbreaking. You know, As if Requiem for a Dream was not tough enough <laughs> to get through. Um, how many? Yeah. And it, it was also, I think, I'd never heard anything about like the opioid epidemic until the last few right. years, couple years. So this is well before that. This is made over twenty years ago. So I think that I think that even though I may have not experienced any of that, I've I've seen more of it uh, and the susceptibility of people to those. Um, drugs because of the opioid epidemic and how it's become more um, people becoming more aware of it, I think. 
Um, and I think it's things like Requiem that are good to shine a light on it, um, especially as well, for sure. How many times did you just watch it the once or did you, uh, did you persevere? And- uh, I watched it twice. <laughs> yeah, I definitely watched it twice. And, and it particularly because it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. I, I have heard everybody say when you're like, Oh, are going to watch Requiem for a dream? Everybody says, Ooh, that's a heavy movie. Like that's, <laughs> that's a rough one and all this stuff. And so I was kind of prepared, uh, and, expected the worst and it wasn't as bad as i was expected i could have handled more okay. so it was wasn't too much of a chore to watch yeah. it a second time that's good i because it is very good. yeah yeah i feel like what makes people kind of say like because everyone does whoever has seen requiem typically has that reaction it's exactly what you said i've done it to people too when they bring it up because it's the immediate like ooh. Mm-hmm. and for me it's just yeah. like the whole final 10 minutes of the movie just like plays in my head and that's what's so intense of just that oh man it's Mm -hmm. so heightened and so chaotic um for you i would imagine it probably didn't seem so chaotic or whatever just because like you've seen mother you've seen black swan like you've seen you've seen grown-up darren aronofsky not not (laughs) early darren aronofsky baby second (laughs) right right yeah um but it is you know, I always tell people like it's one of the most depressing films like ever made. I still stand by that. You don't when it ends, when those end credits roll, you're not like left going, Oh, right. Oh, happy day. Like <laughs> Yeah. You don't just get up not and like move on with like, oh, all right, I guess that's two hours I'll you know. Mm-hmm. It sits with you. It, it just kinda like it, it's a lingering film, a lingering story. Um, probably particularly with people that have addiction yeah. stuff or have been a part of it or seen it. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I was very curious. I was like, man, I wonder how Jake's doing. Did you feel, cause I always <laughs> tell people like, make sure you got a happy movie lined up. Like I told you the same thing. Did you find yourself kind of being like, well, I yeah. think I'm going to prep for our next episode at the same time. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Before and after each watch, I was like, well, I need to watch a shitload of comedies for next episode. So I'm definitely doing that. It does kind of help. The comedy does help be a palate cleanser. Even I did that. And I've seen Requiem. I do it every time I watch Requiem. And like, um, I'm ready for a little, a little cleansing, if you will. Um, but yeah, I never considered the movie to thing. be bad. I just feel that it's it's heavy because it is an emotional movie. It's not like you're going to cry during the movie. I never I never expect people to cry during it. And maybe you do. Nothing wrong with that. Um yeah. It's just it's a heavy yeah, film just I, I wouldn't say that it's it's not like sad necessarily in the way that something sad happens and you feel so bad for them and like i don't know most movies that you cry at it's like a really heightened specific thing this is more of like a a lifelong dread like these people are making these choices that there's no going back from and they will have lifelong implications complications lose an arm all of this stuff Uh, you can never forget the things you did to score and all that stuff. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, you just have a general, just dread for them and their life. 
Yeah. You know what I find myself thinking every time I watch this, and it started from that first time I watched it. Um, Marlon Wayne's. I kind of want to focus yeah. on Marlon Wayne's for a second. Everyone knows Marlon Wayne's as like slapstick, just stupid comedy in and out. Yeah. I think he's done a couple other serious roles, but for the majority of his career, mm-hmm. it's been silly comedy or just gross comedy. Uh, but he is incredible in this mm-hmm. movie. He starts off as like, you think he's going to be cracking a bunch of jokes. I mean, his first scene, <laughs> he's getting high. Um, yeah. And dancing. They like they're having a fun time. Yeah. yeah. With some groovy tunes that you're like, this is cool. And then when you rewatch it, you're like, oh my God, the music and the way the movie's structured, it's a high. This is not cool. This mm-hmm. is very bad. This is very, very bad. Yeah. It's foreshadowing of a warning. <laughs> well, Harry even has the line. After they get their get the first stash of like, yeah, Ooh, here we go. The first step to our big break. And Harry flat out says like, man, if we if we get high, we're just going to mm. fuck this all up. Yep. Yeah, really <laughs> yeah. did. Uh, well, we should try it out and make sure <laughs> it's actually good it. yeah. before we sell it. But Marlon Wayans takes me off guard every time I watch this movie because he's so on point and he's so good throughout the movie even his emotional scenes even the scenes where he's just like yeah. kind of standing quietly and just like he's having you know thinking about his mom and his childhood right. uh which are also heartbreaking moments in the movie because it's just like yeah it it's scary those flashbacks of his mom terrified the shit out of me on the rewatch really for this like episode and the last couple yeah. times I've watched it because it to me, it just like it does such a great job of like children start off so innocent, yeah, and they start off so like you're loving, you're wrapping them in your arms, and the world is like great, you know, it's a clean right. world out there. The kid has every opportunity, it's so beautiful, and then it comes right back to Tyrone. Right Mm -hmm. as you're like, oh, sweet moment. And you're instantly like, oh, heroin addiction and crime. And (laughs) yeah, where did it go wrong? Like, what happened? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. That scene with his mom kind of affected me. Even though I'm not a mom, I am a dad. And when you have a young little baby, you really are concerned about every single thing that goes into their body, every substance, all the food, all the things like you want them. They're pure. They're perfect. There's like, you don't introduce anything that's bad um, into there. And yeah, they're, they have the world at the feet full of potential, all the things they could be. And so to see him grow up and make those decisions and pump his body full of junk and, and then have that like vision of, Oh, mom, I made it. I did these things. I yeah. could have. I could have done these things. You realize what he could have done, what he could have achieved, uh, what he and his friends could have had, um, and what was wasted. That was really, really sad for yeah. sure. It just it, it it was definitely the parent side of me that mm-hmm. was triggered and scared, and has been the last handful of times that I've watched Requiem. Because yeah, as a parent, you're like. 
I mean, you it's a weird line to walk, and I feel every parent probably mm-hmm. I guess technically fails it in some form where you're like, <laughs> I want my child to be prepared and ready for the world. Mm-hmm. But I want to preserve and protect their innocence yeah. and protect them from certain things. It's a it's a weird line to to try and walk. And for me, like it just uh, obviously, I I'm hoping and just <laughs> please don't let yeah. my my child go down this road, you know, this path. Um, but that's what was scary to me was just like how quickly mm-hmm. and how unassuming this kind of thing takes hold and doesn't want to let up. Yeah. And that, that's a frightening thing, especially as a parent. Um, Sorry. Yeah, it's a huge, (laughs) it's a huge contradiction to want them to be so safe and want to make sure that they're safe, but it's also your job to slowly let go and let them make their own choices and do what they want to do and take risks and learn from their mistakes and all that stuff. And they have to make mistakes in order to learn from them. It's a whole thing. (laughs) Like, but I don't want. Yeah, we've we've had we've had the conversation where like if our kid it becomes like strung out addicted to something. What would we do? And we're like, we're fucking locking him in the basement. I don't give a fuck. He's going like completely. We'll do anything to get him off of it because yeah, it is the saddest thing in the world to see them like that. And uh, there's like no links that you wouldn't go to try to get them off of it. I think. Right. It's a, it's a frightening thing as a parent to kind of like, you don't want to consider it. Right. It's yeah. a notion that you're like, I'm going to actively reject this notion. Mm-hmm. But in the back of your mind, you're like, I hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you also don't want to be like, oh, it'll never happen. They'll never be exposed. Right. To it. They'll never right. have this problem. It, it's frightening. That's kind of one of the reasons why I'm such an advocate for, uh, for high school, especially like senior class kids to see this yeah. movie. Um, yeah, you can skip the sex scene between Tyrone and his girl. You you don't need the sex scene. Um, <laughs> I yeah, there, there's. It is weird, not to get away from the serious stuff, but on a funny note, um, I can't think of the last time I saw a movie that had uh, the an actress show her bush but not her boobs. But because there's a scene where Jennifer Connelly does that. <laughs> I was like, that's a weird choice. You know what's funny? I <laughs> did not notice that really? for the longest <laughs> fucking time. Never noticed mm-hmm. it. Just completely oblivious to it. Yeah. Until like, I noticed it first thing. <laughs> until like five years ago when I rewatched it. I did one of those crazy things, which... I mean, you it's a dangerous thing to do. I'm all about binging a series or like, Hey, let's just have a marathon. They're fun until you're like, (laughs) one day you get this weird itch and you're like, you know, it sounds like a great idea. I'm going (laughs) to marathon Darren Aronofsky films. And you're like, go through that. And at that time it was like pie through, uh, mother. Yeah. Or no pie through Noah's Ark. Okay. Yeah, it was either Noah or Mother, which either one. But right. I was like, well, marathon, it's like five movies. <laughs> and by the time you're finished, you're like, well. Yeah. On paper, you're like, it's only five movies. <laughs> <laughs> 
when you do but, it, you're like, but, God damn it. What the fuck did I do to myself? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I didn't notice it until I did that marathon and it took me off guard. Cause I was like, <laughs> she's like, that's weird. Has her Bush been in this movie the whole time. <laughs> right. It, it was very like, <laughs> what the fuck? Um, and I've thought about it, especially this time, because now I know that it's there. And I do feel like, mm. what an interesting decision. Uh, yeah. I, I couldn't find any real tidbit on that decision, except, well, maybe this mm. was like, I mean, she's getting high with Harry the whole time throughout the movie. Uh, maybe. Yeah. And she's clearly high when she's right. staring at herself in the mirror. So I was kind of thinking, well, maybe this is like post, like sex with harry Coitus, yeah and she's just kind of like she just threw the shirt on to like use the restroom and that's what she's doing um mm. which kind of would make sense but at the same time yeah weird weird decision and i was like well <laughs> okay jennifer connelly mm -hmm. yeah her character marion is a with sarah i think my favorite part of the movie like sarah and mary and i definitely gravitated the most to I don't know if it's like an empathy thing or uh, just caring about them because yeah. they're the ladies of the group, but this particularly Marion and her path, uh, it just was so heartbreaking to see kind of where she goes and that she's kind of just involved. You don't really know like how she got into drugs. Like if she's just, if Harry introduced her or if she, mm -hmm kind of was already and that's how they met they had a similar interest or whatever um but when he kind of leaves her to go do his own thing he needs to try to get his business back up and running um she's kind of left alone and doesn't know what to do and turns to what she feels is her only value which is sad that uh, that she needs to instead find a sugar daddy or pimp or whatever, and it's just just the most heartbreaking thing to see her go down that path and not be able to like pull herself out of it. Yeah, Marion is. I think it's interesting that you brought up Sarah alongside Marion um, because they kind of, at least, they're an interesting contrast to each other. Um, yeah, where Sarah is like the accidental addiction accidental kind of just caught up in so much and it's all perpetuated from her loneliness of kind of being mm -hmm. abandoned uh, well yeah i mean her husband has passed away harry is always gone she doesn't know where or when she's ever going to see him if she's ever going to see him again um, yeah and she accidentally gets herself hooked on this stuff from this notion of uh possible acknowledgement uh whereas marion is acted like she purposely got into drugs you know she has her line of like my family's wealthy i'm just kind of she's basically rebelling against her family because they're trying to just <laughs> dote on her and they just give her what she wants mm -hmm. or at least that's what she kind of alludes to mm -hmm. but their their endings are what are is so contrast like such a powerful contrast to me uh where yeah sarah's they're both heartbreaking and very tragic but sarah's is like god damn she just totally lost control whereas marion just mm -hmm. out gives it up 
and is kind of kind of okay with it in a real dangerous kind of way. Her final scene in the Mm -hmm. movie to me is always just like, it's the scariest part of addiction to me. And and I think it's, it's such an incredible decision on Aronofsky's part to have it be Miriam, be the one to kind of show that actual, like not only did she decide to turn this route to do what she wants Mm -hmm. to get her fixed, but she's kind of like, she's more happy or she's happier about just getting the drugs and right. The how be damned that at any cost. Yeah. That is very like, Oh my God. <laughs> like, yeah. So you like, you will willingly sell yourself into slavery basically in order to feel better in yeah. order to have a little fix to, to have it's a, just the a high. Thing. Um, yeah. And let's face it. Was that Keith David uh, plays that guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It has been, and it probably has something to still do with <laughs> our, our top 10, uh, controversial that we we did okay that, yeah, that yeah. put us in the ass but there's things just <laughs> seem so exponentially grosser to me on yeah. certain levels at times and his character that her where her journey takes her is always been gross if you if you sit back mm-hmm. and watch that whole sequence and you're like okay she's <sighs> probably like you need to have a hard long talk Evaluate. with yourself and probably a therapist um yeah it's yeah, always long, been gross. long hard look in the mirror yeah but it's that sequence is so disgusting from their mm-hmm. little first meeting and then obviously the the party that she goes to um it's just so gross dude it, like i found myself yeah. just oh this is I know Aronofsky does a good job, especially with that first interview where the illusion he's alluding to so much. He's, you're not actually seeing anything and it makes it just so bad in your head. And then the party Mm -hmm. is pretty luckily. I'm glad the party is spliced the way it is and like cut the way it is into the chaos. Um, Cause I don't, I honestly don't think I would ever be able to handle just a focus. Yes, it was a continuous this is Marion's experience like segment that would be much worse. I think it would ruin the movie. It goes back and forth between Harry and Tyrone and Marion and Sarah and so you are able to handle it, stomach it a little bit more. (laughs) Which stomaching that that whole conclusion is that's the tough part is just like because you're watching everything just bottom out but We'll get to that. It's also that party where I was <laughs> like, I like Darren Aronofsky does this thing where it slowly builds up. And as it keeps going, you know, it's going to get worse and you get to certain points and you're like, I don't know if I can handle worse than this. Like this is really bad. And, and generally it's that point where he lets off and he's like, it's, that's the end of the movie luckily yeah. <laughs> but you get to that point and you're like this I, I can't handle worse than this please I think, uh, please let me off this ride yeah and and i think this especially with requiem i think aronofsky drives the point home so well and he he does it like you just said where he know he knows or knew when the point was mm-hmm. made 
Mm-hmm. Like there it is. Now we can. Yeah. Now we can move on. Uh, it doesn't beat it uh, over your head. Yeah. My brother and I were talking about it actually. Um, and this movie did make me kind of really think about those controversial films you and I watched and, and my brother and I had a whole discussion on them. And <laughs> I think Requiem is such a great example of the good kind of controversial film because it is a controversial movie. It's, yeah. it's highly controversial. Um, I mean, mm. it's attacking pharmaceuticals. <laughs> like yeah. Aronofsky was blatantly told by the studios, you can't have a direct line of <laughs> stay away from pharmaceuticals, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of like, that was 2000. That's kind of crazy. Right. Like, come on guys. Uh, right. But he does such a great job of being controversial, but for a reason. And he makes the point and you never have to guess what it is. You know exactly what he's talking about, what he's showing you. You feel mm-hmm. gross. You feel sick. You're sad. You're all the things that he needs you to feel so that when you go out after the movie, you're able to just kind of like assess. Right. Whereas the movies, the majority of the movies you and I watched for that episode completely just like, and we talked (laughs) about it in length. Um, Yeah. It's more just this. Look at how gross this is. Doesn't this make you uncomfortable? (laughs) I'm like, yes, of course it does. (laughs) You can stop showing me and there you're like, you know what? We'll show you four more scenes of this exact act, but we'll make it worse every time. And you're like, this is the worst. Um, Yeah, I got the point a while ago. (laughs) Requiem just kind of like there are moments during it where you tell yourself, okay, I get what I get it. And then, but by the time it ends, you're like, oh no, like I, Mm -hmm. I get it now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There are points where you're like, "Uh, yeah, I get it. Drugs are bad. I get it. And then you're like, oh, I thought I had it, but I didn't really get the full scope of it. (laughs) And he did take me deeper to actually understand it more. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Marianne, Jennifer Connelly, I mean, everyone in this movie, I'm like, the performances in this film are just all so incredible because they feel so natural. They feel real. None of them feel there's never a moment in it. That's like, Oh, they, they really phoned that one in or they're really working for that one, man. They're really attempting to cry. It's like, yeah, no, trying too hard. I imagine the set was probably so heavy and just so Mm -hmm. like somber most mm-hmm. of the time. <laughs> yeah. That I, I, I kind of can't help but feel some of those scenes, a, a little bit of real emotion kind of probably peeked through and, and just kind of like, mm-hmm. because the cast talked about, I mean, they had actual heroin addicts on set. Jared Leto tried to befriend addicts to kind of mm-hmm. mime his look and his, the way he acts during the movie. Cause he was trying to portray it accurately. Um, sure as you do but i mean if you've been around these that kind of like those people or or that situation it weighs on you pretty bad it's not Mm -hmm. it's going to it's going to crack your exterior it just will (laughs) Uh, yeah i believe the production was intense i saw (laughs) a uh, tidbit on imdb talking about how the um director of photography was during one of Ellen Burstyn's great monologues. 
like kind of started to drift the camera yeah. away from her and it's because he was actually crying into the lens <laughs> and the viewfinder and fogging it up because it was so intense <laughs> yeah and and it is intense i mean that that scene is very like it's heartbreaking on so many levels it's probably the most human scene in the movie just mm-hmm. of you as the audience really connecting to it um but again We'll get to her monologue. <laughs> Jared Leto. This yeah. was before 30 Seconds to Mars was really huge, which I'm like, you know, I'm a fan of their their first couple albums. Well, first few. Um, they've had a yeah. couple good songs here and there, but this, I mean, totally. this was Leto. Was it before uh, Panic Room? I no, no. Panic Room came out first. But this was like, okay. I mean, to me, and I and I could be wrong, um, but I feel like Requiem was you really... are wrong. Panic Room came out two thousand two. Oh, it did. I Requiem thought it was two thousand. Oh, okay. No, same year as American Psycho. Oh, <laughs> a year after Fight Club. Man, year two thousand. What a great feel feel good year for uh, for <laughs> some movies, right? Got American Psycho. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Although. I can find the the dark comedy in American Psycho. You guys should check that episode yeah. out. It was a lot of fun talking about that movie. Um, <laughs> it is really good. <laughs> but this, I'm like, this is Jared. To me, this is Jared Leto just really showing you a lot of acting chops. And he's made a really great career uh, in Hollywood. Yeah. Like, nothing against a lot of the movies that he's made. Great actor. But some of his Great most performer. more recent stuff, like Blade Runner 2049 or whatever, mm-hmm. it's kind of more, his characters are more kind of over the top, I guess. And this yeah. is just a normal guy who's super grounded <laughs> yeah. and has a ma. <laughs> yeah. And like, he does a really good job with it. He does an excellent job. And sure, you know, I don't like Harry right out the gate in this movie. I, I just feel like, yeah. what a selfish prick. Like, Mm-hmm. but drugs and addiction can kind of really alter your behavior to make you do stuff totally. that you normally wouldn't do, or maybe you would frown on. So I, I try to have kind of a little bit of compassion to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, he has some amount of drive. Like it's not every, not every junkie is like, I will actually take this skill right. and turn it into a business. <laughs> I mean, granted um, his business drive. is, we will buy this stash, recut it so that we can sell it as our own thing. Mm-hmm. We'll make a bunch of dough and then we're going to head out and we'll be kingpins. Like, yeah, someone didn't watch enough uh, gangster movies when they were growing up. But I, I think that their goal early on was just to make a bunch of money so that they could buy better drugs. So yeah. it wasn't like the most noble thing ever. Yeah, not but... noble business. But I, I also <laughs> kind of have the business. sense that at least at first, especially with some of the conversations between Harry and Marion about mm-hmm. the future of, of getting yeah. out of Long Beach and having a life together, having a studio where she can design and do her art. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there's early moments of Harry kind of feeling like he is in control of his, yeah. of his drug use. And I think early on he's thinking 
I can quit it, which is, this is very cliche. This is a normal thing or thought process for a lot mm -hmm. of addicts to, to have where it's, I can quit this at any time, but he right. never blatantly says it, which I really appreciate that that line is never actually said. Mm -hmm. I, I think, I think the direction was it didn't really have well. to be. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. And I think the direction was well done or so well done that you understand kind of like moments for these characters where they believe, Oh, I can mm -hmm. kick this at any moment. Like it does not have a hold of me. Um, yeah. I had the exact same thought of that is basically, I got that message from the movie that this is basically the hubris of humanity that, mm -hmm. Oh yeah, we all know these things are bad, but I, it doesn't apply to me because I know better and I can handle it. And I'm better than everybody else and it's not going to get me. And then it of course does. And then it can. Everybody. Yeah. And you know, I think there's a, I'm, I could be wrong, but growing up in the time that we did in the early two thousands, I feel like there was kind of a, a thought that like drug users were always young. Like, oh, it's yeah. going to be like mid twenties or younger that are getting into this because mm -hmm. that's all you ever heard about. Uh, yeah. I think Requiem does a very smart thing of being like, Sarah Goldfarb is like sixty. <laughs> yeah, and your grandma uh, is high right now, <laughs> and she is addicted to speed. So, mm -hmm. uh, yep. I think it's a, a good like, and yeah, the thought process of this will never happen to me. I am in control is such a dangerous mm -hmm. thought to have, whether you speak it out into existence or it just flashes in your head. It's kind of like, mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not someone that puts a whole lot of stock into the, like, Oh, the universe or any kind of <laughs> superstition or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you kind of can't help that, that that thought of I will never, or I'm in control is like, you're, it sounds a lot like you're challenging something that <laughs> yeah. if it exists, it's bigger than you. And I don't know. Is that really a challenge you want to set out? Right. <laughs> yeah. It's best to have a little humility and be like, you know what? I don't know everything. It could, I could happen to me. I should be a little careful. I should probably just have like an extra second or two to think about what I'm about to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Harry is just, he has so many moments. I, I love his scenes with Marion or his early scenes. Cause they feel so like these guys genuinely care for each other. They are in love. They want to like have a life. Mm -hmm. Marion sees kind of freedom through Harry. Uh, I kind of feel like that, that turns into, she sees like, <laughs> Oh, I can just get high. Um, yeah, man. But Harry is like, the moment you see the infection in his arm before it's ever like actually bad. Yeah. That's to me. I'm like, that's the nail in the coffin right there of like, Oh, this is, <laughs> there is yeah. really no, he is not kicking this shit at all. He is so screwed. Yeah. That is the, <laughs> yeah. Nail in the coffin is a good way to put it because if there's ever a moment when it should be a wake up call to be like, Hey, maybe you should stop putting stuff in your arm because your arm is literally dying in front of you. Um, and you make the decision, no, I need to do this more. And <laughs> right. I put another needle in there. You're like, 
yeah, there's no helping you. You're completely <laughs> like, screwed. You, yeah, you have completely just... It's kind of like a complete give up. I mean, he does have that line. Tyrone's looking at him, telling him, like, I, I think we have to go to the hospital. Like, you should not be doing anything with that arm right now. We got to get you help. Yeah. And he shoots up and he's like, oh, my fucking arm, man. He's like, I told you not to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but Harry has that line where it's, he's it's, like, I just need to shoot up and, and it, it's okay. It's like. It'll be better once I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. It's the same thing as Marion at the party where it's like this fix is more important than anything else. Yeah. And, and it's and it's tragic. It's do. heartbreaking because, you know, that's not exaggerated. That's not. Yeah. That's not theirs. Like, uh, oh, we're really going to oversell no. this. You're like, nope. Pretty positive. People there's... have done worse than that. There's probably a high percentage of people right now that are doing this mm -hmm. exact kind of thing. Like, yeah. this is dangerous. This is bad. Poor Harry. Yeah. His, I guess, visions or his his daydreams, the, the peer with Mary. And yeah, her on the pier. Yeah. Those are in. I love how they're filmed. I love the quiet of it. I love how you can hear the seagulls and just the water. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's it, peaceful. I think it says a lot when they don't ever actually, they can't touch. They can't actually be together in his visions. Mm -hmm. And he, I think Harry has an understanding that like something's wrong. Granted, he, <laughs> he goes after it with, well, I'll just shoot up and it'll, it'll be okay. Um, right. But his visions are, especially his last one, is just like, God damn it. Uh, <laughs> come on, Harry. Come on. Uh, right. You want better for him. You do. You know who it, an interesting aspect of the, of the story um, that I feel is more relevant now, uh, just probably because of past experiences and age but mm -hmm. the neighbor ladies at sarah's apartment yeah. i'm like i wish they would have interfered more mm -hmm. with sarah but granted sarah kept so much behind the door that they right don't she know. obviously had opportunity to interact with other people yeah. she had ladies that sat outside and she had a folding chair that she would take out and hang out with them but it wasn't enough i guess for her that she still needed i mean she still felt lonely she mm -hmm. still cooped herself up in her apartment watching tv and feeling depressed about stuff yeah i imagine especially with like the final scene with sarah or the final reel scene with Sarah. Um, mm -hmm. I, I felt like even more of just a, or I feel like there's a even heavier kind of weight to it just because instead of having like Harry there or having like friends of Harry Tyrone and Marion kind of seeing the fallout of, of the people they know, I thought it was very, mm -hmm kind of humbling and just kind of like oof heavier 
of having Sarah's neighbors be the ones that come and visit her. And the look on their faces when they see her for the first time is just so like, oh my God. And I couldn't help but yeah. be like, man, this is like, these are the faces of families and friends that have to have to see someone kind mm -hmm. of in the thick of it and like not knowing is there going to be an out. Uh, yeah. Very intense. But and I, you I, don't really recognize them because they've changed so much. Yeah. Like everything's changed for them. It's rough, man. I'm like, I, I had thoughts of like, man, I wonder if I've had friends look at me that way. And I just didn't realize it. Have I looked at like a couple of people that I've known that I've dealt with stuff that way and not realized I was looking at them that way. But I feel like that those mm -hmm. old ladies, the neighbor ladies are such a great, like kind of underlining representation of, the people close to you it, yeah. or people close to, you know, these, these situations, like whether they're unassuming and then they have a, a harsh reality or reality check of like, Oh, our, our yeah. friend or our family member just went through this is going through this. And it's done in such a interesting way to me because yeah, they sit out on the sidewalk <laughs> baking themselves in the sun Sarah even has mm -hmm. that, like, I have the best seat in the spot, or I have the best spot now. Like, I feel like I am someone. But I every time I watch it, I'm like, you said it earlier where she's clearly always had that opportunity. At no point did I ever get the feeling that these neighbors excluded her or ostracized right. Sarah. And right. uh, I'm like, the best seat? I mean... They literally just like, oh, she brought her chair. Let's just like, we'll throw her in the mix of all of us. And, and you know, one's mm -hmm. going to keep her little, whatever the fuck it was called. Like that, <laughs> that reflector. The, like reflector <laughs> thing. Yeah. That, yeah. Which. So you tan your chin. I've always felt, for even from a young age to now, like, what a terrible, yeah. odd thing who uses that <laughs> who yeah. the hell uses this i've like, only ever seen it in like movies and tv and stuff. <laughs> right like <laughs> did people really use this reflector to get the sun directly on their chin and on their face because i'm like yeah is it a big problem that if you're out tanning your chin is too pale and like your neck because of the shadow from your right chin i don't understand how it <laughs> works <laughs> Someone explain this to us. Is the chin tan line really that big of a deal? I, I know like tan lines yeah. are a thing or they're not. a. Th are tan lines bad or good? I never know which one it is. Some people like tan lines. Yeah. So you never really know. There's probably good and bad. I, I don't it's, know. I don't. It's whatever's it. in style at the moment. I'll never keep up with that stuff. It's never <laughs> no, gonna happen. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am going to get you one of those reflectors for your birthday, though, so oh that you, when you're God. an old man on the beach, you can actually <laughs> properly tan. Because I spend so much time on the beach. <laughs> you're a huge beach guy. That's what everybody keeps telling me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that, so Sarah's alone and lonely in her house, uh, but the TV show that she's watching, she's I think that's most of it, is that she's like obsessed with this show and 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 I didn't really know if she actually got a call to be on a show. I know that the call that she gets it says you're we, you're going to be on TV but it doesn't say you're specifically going to be on that show. Right. And so I think that she through her obsessive mind 
assumes or hopes that it would be. Um, but I then didn't know if that call was really real or if she just imagined it or something or I feel what the point was. Yeah. I feel like the phone call was real, Mm -hmm. but I feel like she, so Sarah's so interesting because she's, she's the most relatable on the human level of just like, Mm -hmm. you're an unassuming person. You could be lonely, you know, uh, and any, any hint of attention or acknowledgement and you're going to run with it. You're going to invest all your energy into it and smother it. Um, yeah. And you're probably going to really overhype it. So she does. I think the call is real. Mm-hmm. And I think the call is specifically for you are a possible contestant on a show. I'm going to send some forms out for you to fill out. Um, But although I feel the call never gets those phone forms, as far as I could tell, I feel like like, go to the mail and get them. I feel like it's a scam. I feel like she totally gets scammed on it, Um, which is a shame because scan. I mean, phone calls back then. I think yeah. we're easier to to scam and anyone can have an elaborate scam kind of set up. Yeah, it doesn't have to be that uh, believable even if you're calling a little old lady right. alone at home. <laughs> right. Like, I, I think it's very plausible that could have been what it is because she fills out forms. Mm-hmm. She has something. I mean, her friends help her fill it out. And then she sends it off and you're like, oh, cool. She's not crazy. But then she goes crazy. But yeah, but you also are crazy. Yeah, I think the phone calls real. I think the forms that she filled out are real to a point there. They were forms that she was giving her personal info on. Um, and mm-hmm. I only have that confirmation because her friends help her fill out the form. But I don't think it was for that specific infomercial show that she watches um yeah i think it if it was a legit hey you're a possible contestant i think it's like a like on mm-hmm. any possible game show or or it could have been for like uh we're gonna have a test show we'll see how it goes yeah. with this testing so it would never see television at all but the you have yeah. to sell it right um right and i think because of her kind of obsessive nature that she's obsessed with the show and, and doesn't have anything to do other than sit home and think about food or think about the show. And, and for that reason, it seems like time passes so slowly that she's like, when am I going to be on it? I'm supposed to be on it. Like, this is a thing I'm looking forward to doing, but it's been like two weeks and it's probably like three months from now. Uh, right. And so she goes a little crazy because of it. I'm supposed to be on television. Uh, the infomercial is such mm-hmm. an interesting part to the movie to me because I remember seeing infomercials very similar to this growing up. Yeah. Yeah. And always feeling like this just feels like a blatant lie. Like the, the people yeah. that run this stuff feel like you are 
some of the biggest pieces of crap out there. You're just stealing yeah, from preying people. upon desperate people. Yeah. And she's obsessed with it. It's like the only program she watches. And mm-hmm. I think just her mental state and her obsession with that one show. Cause I think, I think she's watching it with this like fantasy of mm-hmm. if I could only get my life on track. And so she's kind of utilizing his yeah. like motivational skills and the mm-hmm. three steps uh, as her like kind of basis for her fantasy, if you will, with ever, without us ever actually yeah. seeing it. But some of the dialogue that she has kind of leads me to believe she spends her time fantasizing about how life could be or should be, or right. wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, she definitely has that. If I can lose weight, like if I'm going to go on the show, I need to be perfect. I need to lose yeah, she's weight. She's got to fit in that fit red in dress. Fit in the red dress. I need to have my hair just right. And if I can do that, then everybody will see me and I'll be, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll look great and everything will it, be It's great. always if I can just do yada, 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 right? Yeah, and I and think Harry will come on, and he will be so yeah. excited, and we'll reconnect, and all this stuff. And, and I feel that is what makes Sarah the heart of the story. That's what makes Sarah the most relatable, the most intense to watch, and the more the character that you feel the biggest heartbreak over as you watch the yeah. movie progress is because she embodies, I think, probably ninety nine percent of us. I think everyone, Mm -hmm. I think it's safe to say, I'll I'll try not to generalize or speak for the population, but (laughs) I think it's highly, highly plausible. Most likely everyone has Mm -hmm. found themselves probably at numerous moments in their lives, probably numerous moments a day. If I Mm -hmm. could only, or once I finally do this, and then you fantasize the outcome. It's like it's like the argument that you play out while you're driving that you're like, this is everything I should have said, blah, blah, blah. And you fantasize the whole thing, <laughs> but it's mm-hmm. not, there's no mm-hmm. truth to it. There's no, there's nothing tangible to it. Sarah is just, she's everyone on such a stripped down, broken version. And I, I'm like, mm-hmm. God damn it. Ellen Burstyn is just too good in this movie. She's too good. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that that was one thing that I took away from kind of all four of their stories is that drugs really are that they're a promise of an easier path. Like they're kind of an easy button that they hope that like Ellen Burstyn's character, she is wanting to lose weight so she can look nice and go on the show and just kind of she she feels like she can't actually get in shape and like the, the do the hard work yeah. do the hard, go about it the hard way and so she's like if i just take a pill then i won't even want to eat and it'll be so simple and i'll actually lose weight and it'll be great and and i think that is so commonly preyed upon that that you don't have to eat less. You don't have to exercise more. You can just do this simple thing and, and the fat will melt off and all of this stuff. Like there's so many diets, there's so many fads, there's so many things that go on 
and drugs is just another thing to go along with that and all of them kind of have that all different characters like i i'm feeling this terrible emotion like when harry goes to see his mom and he leaves and he's crying and then there's that quick montage of just shooting up and oh i'm fine again like i don't have to worry about it i'm not sad about it um and so they all kind of just use it to as a quick way to fix their lives um but in it's not actually fixing it like sometimes you really need to do the work (laughs) sometimes it's not a bad thing that pain exists in the world pain is part of life uh if and we all do it i do it if i'm like oh shit, i have a headache and it really sucks and it's just really terrible yeah i've only had coffee and i haven't eaten any food and i have and i've been sitting in my chair at my desk all day and i haven't moved around and maybe i should drink water and eat food and move around and i'll feel better or i can take some ibuprofen instead and i'll be just fine (laughs) so like we all do it but there are better things to do instead yeah And, and i think that's kind of the human thing of that we're all lazy we all want to do just the easiest possible thing to make us happy. We are lazy and we we have definitely become content with numbing or just finding ways to ignore or set aside mm-hmm. pain in any form really. Um yeah. Especially emotional pain or you know mental mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I think we all do it. I mean, you use probably everyone's daily (laughs) example of like, man, I've been sitting in front of a computer all day, or I've just been sitting down all day. Uh, I haven't Mm -hmm. eaten. I've, I've just drank coffee for me. It's like, man, I feel kind of nauseous and sick and like head is really killing me right now. And I'll think back like, well, I haven't really drank any water, which by the way, folks, <laughs> right. drinking this water is, a reminder. is literally the simplest <laughs> thing we can do. And it has yeah. every benefit for us. Every, right. every benefit. It's the simplest thing. It's literally necessary. It, required. It's, it's necessary. It's required for your body to function as it's supposed to. You can mm-hmm. stay healthy if you just drink your water, you know, mm-hmm. and yet hearing hearing people be like, well, I don't <laughs> drink water because I don't like how it tastes. I'm just not a water person. I'm constantly like, the fuck <laughs> yeah. does that matter? Drink some fucking water. It's flavorless. <laughs> Right. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, it's it's too painful me for me to drink flavorless water. I need to do something else instead. Like in my dumbass brain, I'm like, well, there's water in coffee, and there's water in beer, and there's water in. So I'm like, I'm getting water, which, and, but for some reason, it doesn't count. People will argue that too. You know, I'll I'll hound on some of the guys I work with because they drink a ton of soda throughout the day, and I'm like, you should be drinking water. They're like, mm-hmm. well, there's water and soda. What do you think they're mixing it with? And I'm like, that's like corn syrup, high fructose corn yeah, syrup. The bare minimum <laughs> amount of water and compared to sugar and all the other it, things. Yeah, and the water you're pumping in there has been altered so that it mixes the syrup like it's supposed to. So mm-hmm. It doesn't count, there's folks. There's a bunch of shit you can't even pronounce. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm telling you, drink water. 
Get over yourselves. It's the simplest yeah, thing. Yeah, as a reminder, can do. you probably haven't <laughs> drinking any water. Go get some water now. This is your water break. Uh, drink some fucking water. Yeah. God. <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> but you're right. I mean, it's it's so quick and easy to be like, well, I'll just pop some ibuprofen and I'll be all right. Mm-hmm. Where it's like really. The work, it's funny to call it work because I'm like, these are very basic <laughs> things. And I say all this hypocritically because I'm just as bad yeah. at doing this, uh, <laughs> where it's really like you get you get a good night's rest. So that means don't turn your screens on for like an hour or two before <laughs> you go to bed. Don't turn your screens mm-hmm. on for like an hour or two after you wake up. You sleep throughout the night, drink your water, mm-hmm. stay, you know, stimulate your brain with reading or, or whatever. Be yeah. active. Get go some exercise. Walk. <laughs> go for a yeah. walk. Just the most basic amount. The of most exercise. basic fucking things. <laughs> like you're an old 80 year old man walking a couple of blocks. That's all you got to do. Right. And instead we're like, oh, go outside. Nah. I'm just going to like, <laughs> I'll stay up till 2 a.m. scrolling social media. I'll probably have a mm-hmm. soda with me before I go to bed or a beer or something. Mm-hmm. We actively, when I say we, I'm, I actively find myself at times of just like, wow, I am yeah. doing the polar opposite. I will tell myself as I'm scrolling. You should have turned this mm. off a while ago. You could have been sleeping by now. <laughs> Wake up tomorrow and you're going to feel refreshed. Yeah, just another video or two. Like, <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, that goes back to the thing I said at the very beginning. It's not just hard substances. It's all, everything. It's anything. Random shit. Social media you can be addicted to. Like just 100%. as bad as anything else. Like not everything has the terrible side effects. And if you go off caffeine, you're gonna have some headaches and it's gonna be uncomfortable. It's not the worst thing in the world, but you still are addicted to it. And the yeah. same with social media. Like you have significant mental it changes how you think, it changes how you are programmed, what you do, what you need. Yeah. You find yourself needing to do that thing. It's because it's a human thing. We're all addicted to something. It's so weird with like the social media, the phones, man. I, the older I get, the more I'm like, we need to either go back to straight flip phone or those old Nokia or like the little Nokia's right. That the most you could do on it was play snake. Um, (laughs) I've been like fantasizing about, the eighties and what it must've been like to be an adult in the eighties when you don't have any cell phone and you can go out and nobody knows where you are. Why? I mean, and, we did that in the nineties too, because no one had yeah. cell and you're, we had beepers or you're a kid and you run around and like, I don't, it just seems so great. It, it does. No going back until China drops an EMP on us. <laughs> yeah. It's possible. It's, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I just I'm like because cell phones are an addiction. Uh you know, it's it sucks when I'll be watching a movie or something. It it could be one that I've watched a hundred times before, but suddenly without even mm-hmm. realizing it, like it's just you don't even think about it. 
or I don't even think yeah. about it. You'll just like find yourself holding your phone all of a sudden. You come to that realization of like, why am I? Yeah. I'm watching a movie. It's like you have an internal clock. You're like, you know, it's been a little bit too long since I've held this thing. And <laughs> You're like, so you just kind of pick it up and turn it on and open Instagram and start scrolling. And you're like, I don't even like any of the stuff I'm looking at. I don't actually care about any of this. I'm watching a movie. I don't know why I'm doing this. <laughs> right. You're like, yeah, it's, it's been like, it's been like an hour since you, since you checked your notifications, you haven't gotten any. <laughs> yeah. You nobody need to check on your... it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I... Just in case. I, I I harp on my kid quite a bit because she's on her phone a lot. Um, and she called me out, too, where she's like, Dad, you're on your phone a lot, too. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I know. I'm trying to yeah. do the, like, don't do as I do. Like, just do what I say. Don't do what I'm doing. Like, I want you to <laughs> yeah. make a better decision than what I'm doing. So please don't right. be on your phone that much. I know it's wrong. It doesn't mean it's easy to not oh, do. Right. It. Like it's a bad habit that I think we all need to break. Uh, but yeah, addictions is <laughs> everywhere. It's everywhere. And sure. Not all of them are going to cause you to lose your arm. They're not going to cause you to mm -hmm. turn to prostitution to get a fix which means you're probably not going to survive much longer after said events. Uh, yeah. Not all addictions are going to get you in jail. Not all addictions mm. are going to get you like institutionalized, but there are consequences to all of our addictions. Yeah. And, and I think that's a, a very rough reality that Requiem does, I mean, it does it in the most blunt uh, mm -hmm. way, but it, it's to me, especially with Sarah, with her many vices, many addictions, um, mm -hmm. they use Sarah, Requiem does such a great job with Sarah just showing you like addiction is across the board. Yeah, the focus is usually on substance abuse, but it's, I mean, she was addicted to mm -hmm. her food. She was addicted to sugar. Shit. Mm -hmm. I had like six sour patch straws before we started recording. <laughs> like I literally told myself this morning, I think I'm going to throw away my sour patch because I'm eating a lot more sugar <laughs> right now. Six. Like, <laughs> it's like after this, after this one, I'll throw it <laughs> Right. This right. One, I need a it's bit more. like quitting smoking. I'll just, yeah. I'll finish this pack and then I'm done. Like, right. Are you, I won't buy another one. I just have this one and I don't want to waste it. I'll right. Keep it I, I spent the it. money on this. Well, here's the thing. When you're trying to break your habits, trying to break your addictions, mm -hmm. you kind of have to sacrifice something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would rather sacrifice something that's like non-consequential or, or at least like not in the long run on a negative Mm -hmm. aspect than to have it be something more serious words to i know practice what you preach doesn't <laughs> i'm trying god damn it <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean people think sugar is harmless but then you get like diabetes and you lose a leg and, like it's a real problem it's a real problem have. you brought up caffeine 
I will be the first to yeah. admit, highly addicted to caffeine. Like I, mm-hmm. if I don't have my couple cups of coffee in the morning, uh, or as my coworkers would probably laugh if they heard me say that, because they'd be like, "You drink more than two." I'd be like, "I know." <laughs> um, if I don't have coffee, I do have withdrawal symptoms. It's nausea. Mm-hmm. It's headaches. I'm irritable. I'm like sweaty Mm -hmm. it's it's rough yeah and i think that's the thing that's that's the transition from summer to fall is that things are great if you can always have a consistent fix but as soon as uh you that dries up you kind of realize how dependent you really are on it and so if our phones go away if we don't have caffeine for a couple of days uh, or whatever that's when things start to get real and you're like, Oh, this is more serious than I thought. Yeah. That's when uh Clint Mansell's uh, incredible score starts playing in the overheads (laughs) and you're like, Oh God, please don't wander (laughs) down, down the street convinced I'm being on TV, but I'm high on speed and completely devoid of reality. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think that that whole (laughs) sequence all of the whole fall half of the movie is incredible because what you see Harry and Marion kind of their uh, source of buying their drugs to cut and resell dries up. And so they kind of have to start uh, rationing their drugs. So like if we need a little bit now and that'll get us through the night and then we definitely need a little bit in the morning, but, and then if somebody uses too much, it becomes a big fight and all this stuff. And 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 same for Sarah. She's like, I, it's not working. It's not as powerful as it used to be. I need more. I need more. Yeah. Sarah's is man. The fall time in Requiem. You hit it. Harry and Marion. Like Tyrone seems to have a decent, this is a bad sentence, but he seems to have a decent <laughs> grasp on his addiction, but he allows mm-hmm. his addiction to, to kind of make decisions for him. He's not strung out like Harry yeah. and Marion are, but he, he's like convinced that putting himself in certain situations is okay. Getting in the back of a vehicle with a drug dealer Mm -hmm. who's straight up threatening to kill him is okay Mm -hmm. because it's just Mm -hmm. business. Um, Marion and Harry. Yeah. They're trying to like ration out the drugs. And then that, that turns into rationalizing terrible ideas and terrible, like, well, it'll be okay. If you do this, at least we'll get our fix. But you know, when she comes home from, from sleeping with the guy, Mm -hmm to get the two grand like it's instant just oh no there is like there's no going back that you've yeah that was the most inexcusable part uh for harry for me was him encouraging her he's like hey you just need to sleep with this guy and sell yourself out and it's gonna be totally fine and then we'll be set and she's like I don't really want to, yeah. like, I don't want to do this and I'm worried what I'll have to do in order to get it. And he's like pushing her into it. And, and then when he is sitting at home waiting for her to get back and he starts to like, think about all the stuff she's having to do, 
He just takes drugs and it numbs the pain and it all goes away and, and un- it doesn't have to worry about until it. Until Marianne comes home and then it is so evident of like, there's an understanding between the two of them that now there's a void. They have crossed yeah. a line. and Crossed the Rubicon. And I kind of feel like when Marion is arguing with him, I think that's the one moment for Marion where she's like, maybe if I don't like, maybe this could be our <laughs> shot. If we just, mm-hmm. we just have to learn how to cut this out. Like maybe, maybe this is it. Yeah. And Harry pushing her for it and telling her like, you know, we'll just, it'll be okay. You, you do it the one time it'll be okay. I think Marion mm-hmm. kind of, takes that as that's all she's worth. And I think that's where she totally just gives into it. Like, okay, I guess it's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Which propels her for the rest of her story. And, and I think it propels Mm -hmm. Harry too, because he understands. I I mean, he blames himself. I take a a lot of his stuff, especially his phone call to Marion. Um, as like he is, completely blaming himself for all that has fallen apart. And what's to add on to it. You're like, he doesn't even know what's going on with his mom. Right. Yeah. She's, they're all doing it alone. Like his mom's alone. Marion's alone. Harry's alone. Yeah. It's, it's, it's rough. It's so rough. Um, yeah. I, I just, Let's get to Sarah. I, I feel like we keep going to Sarah. Um, <laughs> the part that like first time I, I watched this movie when I was, you know, 15. Um, her hallucinations. I remember being like, mm-hmm. am I supposed to kind of chuckle at a couple of these things like the refrigerator attacking her and like trying to eat her? Yeah. Um, at first you're like, oh, this is silly or the the food floating in her ceiling and the pie like splatting with the actual splat sound effect. Like, yeah. you want to chuckle <laughs> at it. Visualizing hamburgers appear on this on uh, right. uh, shelf. Like we've we've yeah. seen it done in, in cartoons. So we, we get it like, oh, yeah, I, I know that. Yeah, it's like you're on a desert island and you just see a it, it, juicy a bunch steak of mirages. Shot. Yeah, um, yeah. But that scene where like you feel like you need to chuckle, she's getting attacked by her fridge. She's hallucinating herself in the red dress, kind of extreme makeup, doing the. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my god, what's the name of that that line? Dance that they're doing conga. Yeah, thank you. Doing the conga line. <laughs> I lost the word for a second. <laughs> that first time I watched it, I remember kind of like getting to a point where you're like, like, this is sad, but like, I might start to chuckle. And then yeah. the hard turn where it's like the fridge <laughs> attacks, all hallucinations. And, and she's like screaming and running out of her apartment. Yeah. The way Aronofsky filmed that sequence where it's like the conga line, you got the music, you got the, hallucinations and then silence and it's just the tv that like off air biz or signal yeah i'm like what an effective way to just be like yeah yeah this is a bad situation like Mm -hmm. she has lost her mind and then you have the the walk down the the street with the music and all that but 
Sarah Goldfarb, her monologue, which is the part that I've like, I want to say for later, but I have to get to it. It's killing me. Mm-hmm. What a powerful delivery. What incredible dialogue. Yeah. We have talked extensively over scenes that have great, great dialogue and great movies with all this stuff. Her scene at the table, this is the one that made the, the cameraman like, oh, she's out of frame just a little bit. And you totally see it. You totally see like the yeah. camera shift. I'm so glad they, they left kept, that in. Kept that take. Yeah. Yeah. The more she talks, and I guess I just never really soaked it in, but I have mm-hmm. over the years, and especially this week, just really soaked it in. Her whole discussion over like I like the way the pills are making me feel because people see me now people like they know who I am I'm I'm, do you see where I'm sitting your father would be so proud that this is what I'm trying to do Mm -hmm. it's such a like heartbreaking thing because you see Harry you brought it up earlier where he understands his hypocrisy in it and it's like a severe hypocrisy yeah he really doesn't want her to do it he knows it's bad but he's doing it and he also I think kind of understands her point like why Right. She likes how it makes her feel like what's the harm? It it is actually helping me. Well, and when she uh when she really starts breaking down um oh I put it in my notes. Um when she really starts breaking down so honestly and open of how lonely she is and how desperate mm-hmm. she is for just anyone to give her yeah. some kind of validation. In existence. I mean, she flat out says, like, what's the point of getting up in the morning? Like, this, the thought of being on television, the thought of like this possibility has given her such a boost to even get out of bed. That's, that's heartbreak. Like, it's so moving in such a devastating way. Because I think, again, there are many people out there, or more people than they probably want to admit where it is hard to get out of bed and yeah, you might turn to something that's not healthy. You kind of know it's not good for Mm -hmm. you, but you're like, this is what's helping me go. So I guess I'm just going to lean into this and and it's such a slippery slope. Like it's a very dangerous one to go down. Um, Yeah. But what breaks my heart probably the most about that whole, not just what she says and how she said, I mean, that is like, it is holy crap. <laughs> how? Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to redirect <laughs> real quick. Nothing yeah. against Julia Roberts, Aaron Brockovich. Great movie. She does a great job. Don't worry. She does a okay. great job in that movie. I don't know why you're bringing Julia Roberts. Into you'll, this. you'll understand in a second. All right. So in 2000, Best Actress Oscar, Ellen Burstyn was nominated for her role as Sarah Goldfarb. Julia Roberts okay. won it for her role in Aaron Brockovich. I like that movie. Yeah. It's a really good movie. Julia Roberts is incredible. It's... Yeah. Watching Ellen Burstyn, like I'm like, though. how how this monologue 
didn't just yeah. be like, so here's your new standard on how, <laughs> uh, on what we're looking for when it comes to yeah. emotional It's the bar to aim for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, this is a robbed, robbed moment right here. I feel Ellen Burson, no offense, Julia, you're great, mm-hmm. but <laughs> wow. No, I totally agree. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but I think that. I don't want to say the cherry on top of like just how heartbreaking that scene is at the dinner table. Her and Harry one. It's the last time they see each other. Yeah. And it ends with broken promises that I think Harry is the only one that understands he's not coming back anytime soon. He's not bringing Marion home for dinner. His mom's probably never Mm. going to meet Marion. Yeah. Yeah. Just thinking about that, She's I'm gone. like, fuck. I need to make sure every interaction I have with like my mom or friends, mm-hmm. whoever, like, oof. I mean, yeah. I'm clean. We're we're good, but like <laughs> But you still all have limited time. You get busy with limited stuff. time, you... busy, you're gonna get caught up doing shit. Uh yeah. That's that is like that broke my heart this time around. Just that like really understanding that real big realization. And I think age does have a lot to do with it. Um, yeah. Of just like, wow, this really is the last time they ever actually see each other in this movie. This is the last time that their characters even past the ending. Mm-hmm. If, if they have futures, um, who knows if they what, have futures, he has, less arms and she's been electroshocked so it's hard to say it's hard to say and and he's not even in new york like yeah yeah he's not even in the same state anymore it's that's one of the things requiem does so well to me where you you view it as a surface thing but then the more you think about you're like holy crap the consequences the Mm -hmm. situation is so much bigger and so much worse as you really start to think about it. you're like this is yeah it's a lot to process yeah this spiraled out of control yeah but that that monologue that she has i'm like no wonder that cameraman cried like if there's a scene that's <laughs> gonna make you cry in this movie it's her monologue mm-hmm. it, it's just so powerful and then you think about her monologue during the whole finale and it's just like this is, I mean, none of it was worth it. Yeah. Not a single thing these guys do was worth <laughs> anything where they ended up. Um, mm-hmm. Which I guess brings us to, to that part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess there's always the hope. There's always the possibility that it could have worked out. They could have gotten a big score. They could have sold it all and gotten rich and turned their life around. But (laughs) it's a gamble. This whole life is a huge gamble. Huge gamble. Um, And it didn't pay off for them. Like at all. I I read an interesting thing that Darren Aronofsky said of all the characters, the only one that could have like hope for a future is Tyrone. And then he tried to foreshadow that or not foreshadow, but kind of hint towards like a possible future with the, the memories of the mom, you know, he's looking at the photo or he has the, 
it's the closest thing to a happy ending in this movie for sure right and and he's having it behind bars uh yeah detoxing (laughs) yeah he's being forced to to sober up he's being forced to clean up there's no weaning him off of the drugs he's yeah cold turkey withdrawals and I, i think they did a great job of showing him with like the sweats and the shivers and and I think it's such an interesting decision that everyone goes into the fetal position, which is like the most vulnerable, most just broken mm-hmm. kind of position. Infantile. Yeah. Um, but I, man, that, that whole montage at the end between mm-hmm. them being arrested and they never make it to Florida. Uh, what state are they in when they get arrested? I don't remember. Uh, I don't recall. But being arrested, being separated, Harry having his arm amputated, mm-hmm. Marion is putting on a sex show for a bunch of really gross old men throwing cash at her and drugs at her. Yeah. Like, ugh. Sarah's getting institutionalized. She's... And, the saddest thing I was trying to think like, when does this movie I've never thought of this and it's probably due to, it came out in 2000. So technology wasn't really like a thing. Well, mm-hmm. it, you know what I mean? It, <laughs> it was television, I, I but it technology <laughs> wasn't like so dependent on. Yeah. And, but the movie, it kind of looks like it takes place in the eighties, maybe early nineties. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's, no one's got the cell phones. No, I mean, they're using the corded phone. There's no color. Yeah. No one's talking about the internet. Yeah. yeah. Um, the infomercial on, I mean, she's got rabbit ears on her TV. Uh, yeah. But I was thinking about that, like, wow. Institutions in the eighties were still kind of known for, although significantly better than hospitals mm-hmm. and institutions in the fifties. Uh, still kind of rough around the edges, still kind of like, well, <laughs> there's no hope for you, ladies. Yeah. So we're going to for get you to <laughs> sign this document, even though you are not. That's <laughs> that's the thing that stuck out to me. I was like, there's no way like she's even close to coherency to understand what you're telling her and yeah. to reasonably sign this document of consent uh there's no way there's but no they way. totally just take it as like this is normal and i mean the whole process the whole hospital process is infuriating where she's she's brought in they keep giving her different drugs nothing's really working the orderlies or nurses or whatever they are kind of treat her like a slab of beef and just kind of yeah there's no handler. she's not like a person yeah. yeah she's not a person at all and and she's she's conscious more or less and aware of what's going on even though she's she's strung out and her mind is damaged from all of the drugs she's been mixing and all this stuff but yeah that was the most shocking part is that she just signs this thing and surprise you're gonna get electroshocked into oblivion for experimental yeah we're gonna we're gonna fry your brain and when you're able to walk on your own again, we'll call it a success, but you are. Yeah. Never, See if it works. Yeah. You are never going to be who you were before, before the drugs. Mm-hmm. You're never going to be, you know, 
kind of oddly, although she was overweight at the beginning of the movie, but that's like kind of the healthiest that she is (laughs) during the whole film. Um, Yes. Yeah. She's like permanently, you're permanently broken. You're never going to be able to sustain yourself. You can never be on your own. You are now completely Mm -hmm. dependent upon the state. (sighs) Yeah. And uh, for the rest of your days. Yeah. It's just like, and the music, every time they shock her, that like the high strings that go on, every time you're just like, oh, God. <laughs> Did you find yourself the first time you watched it, or maybe even the second time as well, mm-hmm. by like the third shock with yeah. all the montage? Did you find yourself just finally being like, oh, my God? Like, was that your yeah. moment of like, I don't know how much more <laughs> I'm going to be able to handle? Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty much exactly. I was like, they're not surviving till winter because <laughs> this is too much. And yeah, it was mostly how many times are they going to shock this poor woman? Yeah. It's like, like one, two. Okay. I get it. But like 10, whatever. You <laughs> like, way too many times. I think it's, I think it's four times, but it feels like you have seen her get shocked so much, but her whole hospital experience is, yeah unreal to me you you nailed it you said it really well um i think it does uh i think what makes me so mad about it is how they lull you into this doctor like getting on her level and checking her and being Mm -hmm. like hey sarah we're gonna take good care of you like we're we're gonna work with you we're gonna get you healthy again and then you believe like oh it's a doctor so um Yes, let's give our trust to the doctor because they're, you know, what what is that right. oath they take the Hippocratic oath or whatever it is? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like care for people. You're gonna do everything in your power to care for someone regardless do of no everything harm. else. And then yeah. the orderlies come in, sure they're gonna have their own conversation, but yeah, the way they just like toss her around, they're like <laughs> okay. Spoon feeding her the feeding like- scene. Forcing her to swallow it. I'm like, I get you have to be forceful at times. Like, you have to swallow this. Mm -hmm. But to downright, like, suffocate this woman and hold her in a headlock, (laughs) she's a feeble old woman who's strung out. She's not going to put up a big fight. Like, she won't, she physically won't be able to. And you're suffocating Mm -hmm. her, essentially. Like, god damn it. The whole. Yeah. Eating tube down the nose was like, oh, 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 there's no yeah. <laughs> like. And, and the way that they yeah. approach it the whole time of just like, are you going to work with us? And then they carry on with just there's no. Yeah, finesse. like she's the problem and and not like you're there to help. Like you sh- she <laughs> yeah. needs help and she's not going to get it from anybody. Yeah, but her all that stuff even up to the the electroshock i think it just carries over so much frustration and anxiety that when she does get Mm -hmm. knocked you feel like it's so many more times than it actually is because it's just like constant sarah her whole life is gone yeah like yes all four characters survive yes sarah survives Do they? Yeah, I mean, she, but for how yeah. long? That's that's kind and of not not the same Sarah that we had before. Ever, yeah. I mean, she can't even talk. She doesn't say like any words. 
for the last 20 minutes of the movie. I think the final line mm-hmm. she says is call Seam or tell him to meet me at the station. And then mm-hmm. it's that's like it, which is sad because Seymour is the name of her deceased husband. You're like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's like that's like <laughs> the actual confirmation. She is no longer attached to reality. Yeah. Yeah, it's like she's gone. I don't know if it's induced dementia or what, but it is like adjacent to dementia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the whole, all the splicing of Harry's arm, him and the the lineup when they're trying to figure out who's on work <laughs> detail, mm-hmm. the way they grab his arm to look at it, it's just like. Yeah. Now I've never had. Yeah, that. and how much worse it looks than it did in oh, the car. God, it's like so oh. bad. There's no way you're keeping that arm. Yeah. <laughs> the close-up of the saw going into it. And just the way that mm-hmm. the way the music crescendos and then has that. <laughs> like, <laughs> normally a moment like that in a movie would be the breather. But yeah. I find that moment in this movie to not. You don't take a breath. You just kind of. You can't breathe. Yeah. yeah you just. Oh. It's like. Yeah. It's like your official, yeah, defeat. <laughs> like, there it is. Yeah. TKO. It's yeah. everyone's everyone's out. Um, Absolutely. My if the if these four characters were to continue. Mm-hmm. One, how long do you think they would survive if any of them survive? Mm-hmm. And would you say any of them could actually be redeemed post events of Requiem? It's hard to say because I mean, you all, they all need, well, with the exception of Sarah, I think the other three of them kind of need to find that rock bottom. And you really hope for Harry, it's losing his arm and being in the hospital and being taken care of. And that's a great place to rebuild your life from. And, and have the story to tell like i i ended up here i lost my arm i learned to live with it i moved on that would be a great story i don't know if that's what happens or not because it's very well could not happen same for marion like she's in an okay place she's like she's kind of being taken care of but she's also kind of being handed out and abused and all this other like mostly being handed out and abused like not kind of and and so i've certainly heard stories of people like that that have like been in that life it's been terrible gotten out learned to heal and and been okay and it's possible but unlikely and i i do agree with aronofsky i think tyrone has the best chance being in prison and and having the vision of his mom and all that stuff he is probably the most redeemable and the closest to a happy ending um but still you're in prison you're you're a junkie there's drugs in prison people still find ways to get drugs in prison it's no big deal and so it's entirely plausible that it doesn't go much further than that or he just continues to be in and out of the system and all this stuff or connecting with other people on the inside and 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 thinking he's building a business and building connections and networking but he's really just digging himself deeper into the uh, criminal underworld so i 
have very low hope for any of them surviving. It's just not not very uh, positive on any front. Yeah, I'm with you. I feel I feel like Tyrone would be the highest. He would have the highest chance of making it. Um, mm-hmm. Should he get like actually get clean in prison? You know, they never say how what his sentencing looks like you imagine yeah 80s 90s in the south he's i hate saying this but you know he's black Mm -hmm. probably not getting a light sentence uh especially for Mm -hmm. heroin it's not you know yeah um but i would hope yeah and they tend to tend to be harsher on drug charges or try to be harsher on drug charges than than even assault and murder and stuff sometimes. Which is a little crazy, but um, I think Tyrone would have the best shot. Saying that is like, that doesn't mean it would be an easy shot. I feel best shot of getting clean, very rough road to clean, to sobriety. Yeah. Um, Harry. Yeah, and even if you get there, it's always a challenge to maintain. Yeah. It's a lifelong battle to maintain that. I think Harry would be. I don't think Harry would make it too much farther. I think. Yeah. I think being released from the from the hospital because he wouldn't be there for very much longer. Um, I think Harry would. I think his sadness and addiction yeah. would get the better of him. I'd completely agree. I think that losing an arm or losing any sort of appendage and feeling like not a full person is a huge thing to try to deal with. And, and it's so easy for depression and other things oh, to creep yeah. in because of that. And so you try to numb it, of course. And, and, and I also feel like, I don't know if it's just my brain being like, let's see how much more depressing we can make Harry's story potentially. <laughs> um, yeah. But I feel like Harry's chances of making it out, making it clean, and and having a life post all of this would drastically drop if he somehow made it back to New York, found out what happened to his mom, or even reunited with Marion. I think a reunion with Marion would probably be the nail in the coffin for him. I think he would actually go. Um, Yeah, if he ran into her, but she didn't want to leave her new life leave her new life or him just seeing what she's kind of made peace with um i think that would just absolutely be too much on on harry um yeah she's more of a shell of a person than she used to be yeah i don't think i don't think marion would make it much longer after the events of requiem in fact i would say she would probably be dead uh shortly after requiem i think it would be i don't even think it would be an accidental overdose i think she would she would probably get one more fix and be like well this is it i i which again i'm like is my brain just trying to figure out like what's the (laughs) worst outcome for this (laughs) yeah but there's just it's it's, it's that practical it's that smile she gives when the camera's on her it's that little smirk that mm-hmm. she has that i'm like oh i think you're the first one to go 
Like, yeah, that sucks. I, I don't want that for obviously it'd be so much better if these characters all found sobriety and were able to to get a life. But I'm like, I think yeah. Marion would be gone very shortly mm-hmm. after after the movie. And Sarah. I would hope that Sarah finds some rehabilitation to, to be able to speak again, to get some like yeah. memory, maybe her, her neighbor friends, you know, they come to visit her. I would, I would hope that her neighbor friends continue to visit and to continue to just yeah. try and be there for Sarah before she passes, hopefully of natural causes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, it's hard. Cause there's almost, there's a level where, it's worse to just be a vegetable right. sitting in a chair all day, every day, and in this comatose state. Uh, and it's better to move on in some cases. And so you don't want that for her. Yeah. So it's hard, you know. Obviously, obviously, I would much prefer they all get their shit together and have a life mm-hmm. after the movie. Um, I just don't think that's. I just don't think that's how those characters would end up. I, I think their trajectory would just be yeah, absolute rock bottom and they don't make it. Um, my daughter asked me, because I was telling her about this movie a little bit and prep for it, and uh, she was like, so do do like characters kill themselves in it? Like, does everyone die? And I told her, I was like, well, that's the thing. Like, no one dies in this movie. The, the mm-hmm. only deaths that you see in the movie is the, the gang guys that get shot yeah. up in the car. I was like, no one else dies. But that's why the movie's so heavy is because it leaves you with just this like open ending of <laughs> I think we all know what probably happens, but we don't got to show you for you to have that like way on. Right. <laughs> right. We all know where this <laughs> lifestyle leads. Yeah. Um, but she was like, you watched this when you were 15? I was like, yeah, I did. I watched it, and then I made my mom and dad sit down and watch it with me. Which I had originally <laughs> hoped. Uh, I was like, it's a super long shot, because we all know how parents are with like remembering every movie we forced mm-hmm. them to watch with us when we were young. <laughs> but I was like, oh, it'd be really interesting to ask them what their impression of the movie was the first time they watched it and what was going through their heads when they watched this movie with their 15 year old son. Uh, <laughs> and why is he so excited? About right. Uh, but they were both like, Dustin, it's been like 20 years. <laughs> like, yeah, my dad was like, I really don't remember the movie hardly at all he goes i know it was like a big deal for you but i don't really remember it my mom was like oh i kind of remember watching it just feeling like this is weird to be watching with you but she was like i don't really remember the movie either and rewatching mm-hmm. it this week because i talked to them before i rewatched it again rewatching it was like i bet i would be willing to put money if i could go back in time and watch like to see it like like yeah Yeah. you know they can't see me but i can see them Mm. i bet my folks were fucking horrified watching this (laughs) movie with me 
They were probably like, does this kid realize that Jennifer Connelly's Bush is in this movie? <laughs> no. And you're sitting there oblivious <laughs> to the world. Completely oblivious to that. Complete. In fact, for the longest time, with as many people as I forced to watch Requiem <laughs> after I first saw it, I was even convinced that like the only nudity in the movie was the sex scene mm. between Tyrone and his yeah. girlfriend. And then like you rewatch it and it's it's like you rewatching forgot the like, ass to ass dildo. It, yeah, scene. it just never clicked. I think I think why it never clicked was legit. I was so invested in just the like consequences of everything, just this journey yeah. of how horrible it's really not about that it's it's not about yeah. it. like and, and, oh it's a sex scene and, and the you know marion's finale in the film like yes it's a highly sexualized scene but it it it's not done in a way that's like oh you should think this is sexy you should think this is no. hot it's done in such a gross way that your brain should be just like mm -hmm. instantly shutting it down and being like, this is wrong. So it doesn't even right. like compute. All I felt was a huge amount of empathy for this poor girl. Yeah. And also hatred towards these douchebag oh, business dudes that are like, like, you guys are the, the customers of this situation. Yeah, It's yeah. so gross. And I'm like, it's a good thing. I've seen Keith David in redeeming roles before because one is it's a good thing i just saw him and they live because that is okay. <laughs> but yeah so i was hoping to be able to give like my parents perspective but i am unable to um but i do think it's interesting that as a 15 year old boy i did not focus on any of the sexual stuff in the film which there's yeah i mean there's not a lot but what's in it no. is is there, yes. But um, again, I, it's not there to make you be like, ooh, hot. It's like, mm -hmm. no, this is the absolute definition <laughs> of what's wrong with our world. Uh, right. So, yeah. How do you think your folks would uh, fare with this one? <laughs> <laughs> I don't... I would say it's most likely not their cup of tea. Hundred percent. Pretty confident. <laughs> pretty confident they've never seen it and have no intention of seeing it. Yeah. Um, if they did see it, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. <laughs> it's it's a hard movie to be like. Is this your cup of tea? Because I'm like, it's, it's, I don't know if that's a right yeah. phrase for the movie, but I don't know if I would say it's my <laughs> cup of tea. But I also. I liked it. Like I definitely yeah. like it. I see value in it. I would own it. I think it's a really, really good movie with a lot of a lot of great qualities. I mean, we've yeah. talked about it for over two hours yeah. now, and and have we could talk about it a lot more with just getting into the characters and the meaning and the arcs and all the stuff. But I think just just watching it and taking away the meaning of their journeys, yeah it's something that adds value to your life. And so I think it's definitely a great, a great movie that does all of the things it sets out to do really, really well. Yeah. Well, I, I feel validated hearing you say that. Cause I, I, I really do uh, preach this movie. I, I am a huge, like 
this work everyone needs to watch this like god damn it this is an important movie uh yeah. yeah i'm a huge advocate for it so to hear you to who has you just saw it that that yeah. gives me i i feel like it gives me uh extra boost of like see i know what i'm talking about this movie is like it's important yeah like, <laughs> and i i would certainly say it's intense and it's not for everybody but i would also say it's not as bad as most people say it would be and so yeah. you shouldn't be scared off by people that say oh it's so intense and it'll break you or whatever granted take that with a grain of salt i've seen the top 10 we, we kind of watched movies offensive movies like, ever um, and uh yeah we did a whole episode on the most offensive movies ever and those were terrible and irredeemable but this one i think i think that more people should see it it's intense but it's manageable mm -hmm. and and meaningful for sure I, I liked it um and then i guess my last real wonderment was i had advised you like maybe don't watch it with christy because she might not react mm -hmm. well to it uh thoughts on that <laughs> having watched it <laughs> yeah um i i think that she would do better than i thought she would okay. before i had seen it i think that she hasn't seen it um and she doesn't have a strong desire to but i think at some point i mean she's liked black swan she's liked mother she's liked mm -hmm. all these other things and so i think if she can handle those she could handle this um i think the only caveat or asterisk is that she has had closer experiences with um people who are addicted yeah. to things and 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 uh family members and stuff so i think it could hit closer to home for her which maybe um would make it more realistic so people should consider that as well if you've experienced something more maybe it would tr trigger those kinds yeah. of things in you more um and that could be why i don't care because i <laughs> have no connection at all it's just a piece it's a movie to me um, so that's possible you have managed to to stay away from some of that stuff which i think if i was younger i like, took the dare pledge hey man so did I. I fucking excelled at the D.A.R.E. program. <laughs> I'll never drink alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Pot is uh, bad. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I'm always going to advocate for this movie. I, yeah. I genuinely believe in this movie. Uh, it definitely made me a huge fan of Darren Aronofsky. He's got like such a unique and specific eye for i guess showcasing a lot of the harder aspects of our lives and just kind of like yeah hey we like to shy <laughs> away from this stuff we like to be numb to it um nope right <laughs> yeah and there's such an interesting thing in human beings that we we're all vulnerable to certain things and we're all I mean, there's so many parts of humanity that is dark and twisted and gross, and we like to just ignore that and focus on the sunny side or the greener pastures or whatever. Um, but it, there's also, I think, a good a good thing to see all aspects of what life is and to take the good with the bad, and it, it just makes the good better. So yeah. I, I appreciate his style and his courage to not not just make something that's entertaining mm -hmm. and interesting but to actually make something that's 
real and honest and and human um kind of challenging whether (laughs) yeah whether it's a fantasy terror thing like mother that's more more historic or biblical or, or mythological um or it's something like this which is grounded and, and and as real as the random person you see on the street and their life story like it could be them yeah. so i i appreciate it absolutely well i think uh just to just to put it out there uh obviously kind of a harder this is probably our most serious episode i think yeah, we've had I think so. um just subject matter alone is going to naturally do that. So I think it is important to still say, say this, it might be cliche, but I think it's important regardless, like substance abuse and addiction. It's, it's a real thing. It's frightening and it's detrimental and Mm -hmm. will destroy life. So obviously get help. Mm -hmm. You know, someone try to help them, try to get them help do the necessary things. Yeah. It's important. Um, learn from Harry, Marion, Tyrone and Sarah, <laughs> uh, and just kind of be there for each other. You yeah. Know? Just be there for each other. Yeah. I think that's the hardest thing is that they all isolated themselves yeah. and didn't have anybody in their corner, um, helping them out. And also they all felt like, this was the most important thing. This is the thing that they need and they need it in order to feel better and nothing else will make them feel better. Completely ignoring the fact that this is the worst that you could possibly feel and the worst life you could possibly have. If you get off of this, everything will be better. You can make something of yourself if you get past this. So yeah, Yeah, if you know someone or if you're struggling, go get help. Like, Rehabilitation centers are way better these days than they used to be in the 80s and 90s, so utilize them. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I think getting help is a sign of strength, not weakness. I know a lot of people find it to be kind of stigmatized. That's bullshit. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. And then on a complete 180, just when we brought you guys down... Um, Hopefully we didn't bring it down. Hopefully it was just a good engaging conversation. Um, I think we both knew going into this one, it was going to be a (laughs) kind of a a tougher conversation, kind of more serious side, Um, more serious, more real. And that's why we have a whole recovery period. We have a month long of (laughs) of just bringing it back. The next, Next three episodes are going to be light and fun. Yes. And so next episode, we're doing our top 10 comedies, which I think we both were not super happy with our original <laughs> recording of that. Not just for the sound quality issues, but also the choices we made. Yeah. And so we are putting a lot of effort into choosing <laughs> our top 10 comedies. Yeah. It's a little overwhelming, but we're doing our best. Uh, <laughs> And then, yeah, December as well. We have very nostalgic, fun yeah, we, uh, movies uh, that we enjoyed as kids. You know, Christmas time, the holiday season, Thanksgiving through Christmas time. Like, I mean, it's my favorite time of the year. I love the holidays. Uh, but we both yeah. feel like it's legitimately the happiest, or at least it's supposed to be the happiest time of the year. <laughs> so we thought, mm-hmm. let's end the year 
we're not doing like an actual Christmas episode, but we're doing just super happy, super nostalgic, joyful stuff, uplifting. It'll be, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is, I'm stoked for it. Um, I'm really stoked for, for the December episodes. I think those are going to be a freaking blast. <laughs> um, yeah, me too. And then, uh, yeah. So don't worry. We're bringing it back up to, to be lighter and happier <laughs> and silly. So appreciate you guys. Thank you, uh, for listening, watching, subscribing, doing all that good stuff. And, uh, what are your thoughts on Requiem for a dream? Uh, yeah. Did it hit you as like it did us or did you take away like more than what we talked about tonight or today, whenever you're listening or watching? Yeah. Um, let us know. Let us know if you've done the insane thing of marathoning Aronofsky films. <laughs> I think that's just Oh, you. man, it probably is. Nobody else would have done that. I'm sure whoever, like, someone has to hear me say that and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you <laughs> yes. Are, Are you, you stupid? stupid? What the, why <laughs> would you do that? If if Darren Aronofsky ever listens to the episode, he'd probably be like, "Oh, thanks, man." But like, <laughs> it's like, "Thanks, I put a lot of work in those. I think they're really good movies. Yeah, I appreciate, yeah, appreciate that. that." But you know, <laughs> I wouldn't even binge watch my movies. So, <laughs> yeah. But no, we appreciate you guys. You guys rock. Thank you for all of, uh, the support. Keep it up. It helps us out a lot. So, yeah, it does. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Bye.